there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Exciting time to be involved in Bitcoin Cash at the moment. During that whole war, fighting versus big blocks, like were we the bad guys? Were we the ones that went listening? Fundamentally, we believe in markets, transparency, and tokenization. Come on, you gotta come stronger than that, you know, like. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 92, the listener survey 2023. Today is Saturday, the 9th of September, 2023. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jet is doing the producing and also the guest appearing and contributing because when we do the survey episode, it wouldn't be fair to have a guest on because it is so much. The the community are the guests, essentially, in terms of their responses and their feedback and everything. So if we had somebody else as well, too, they would barely be able to get a word in edgewise. So uh, it's also a good chance, I think, for us to just reflect on, on where things are at uh, one year to another. Uh, it's early September. It's the time frame that we do these uh, listener surveys. Uh, there's surveys in late August, and then we do it in September. And I was just having a quick look at some of the responses and also some of the topics that we were talking about last year. And it was very enlightening. <laughs> it's funny how much things change in a year. So we'll check on with that. How are you doing today, Jen? Good, well caffeinated and ready to roll. Okay. All right. Let's get straight into it then. We've got to check in on the price. Today's price title, AVAX out of the top 20. So today, Bitcoin Cash is $191.78 US, which is stable. One BTC buys 134.8 BCH, also stable. And one ETH is 8.55 BCH, also stable since the last episode but to me the most notable thing is bitcoin cash at number 18 avalanche avax has fallen to rank 21 at nine dollars and 90 cents and i find this to be quite a huge deal because i remember last year or the year before whatever avax was having its huge giga pump it's the future it's going to take over everything. They were the ones with all the money. Uh, Gabriel Cardona, I know, and I'm not calling him out saying this is a bad thing because he was making his own decisions and that's fine. But he sort of left the BCH ecosystem to go to the Avalanche ecosystem. BCH was dropping, didn't have as much momentum, didn't have the money, didn't have the hype. Avalanche did. Went over there. There was probably other people in a similar position, right? And I'm sure that was all great. And I don't know how their scene is. I don't, maybe it is or it isn't. And it's funny because this is how everybody else sees BCH, right? They don't know anything that's going on. They just know if the price is going up or down. So it's interesting to flip around the uh, mirror from that, that point of view. But anyway, the point is they're out of the top 20. And they were pretty high up there. They might have even been maybe not in the top 10, but they were maybe close, 11 or 12, I sort of feel like, from, from memory. And BCH was down near number 30. But here we are, BCH has just grinded its way back into the top 20. 
an avalanche, whatever their VC money or central AVAX foundation or whatever that's running things. Clearly the market's not impressed. They're out of the top 20 and they might never be back in it, right? So obviously too early to say that, but I just find it so fascinating the way that uh, times change, right? Yeah, I remember like before Avalanche or AVAX was out and it was like the big hype thing. And I remember it being released and playing around with it maybe like with just like a couple bucks worth i remember trying to figure out the p chains and the c chains and how in the hell all of this comes together before there was any kind of ecosystem on it and i'd like to think that i'm fairly technical but i also like simplicity right like and that shit was not simple and i remember being just like okay i'm not this isn't for me and immediately switched that back out to bch and watched the price like within the next two months go from you know nothing to i think it was like 70 or 80 dollars and what is it now nine nine dollars yeah that's nearly ten dollars nine dollars nine i mean that's that's all right like there's there's still and still the early investors would be way up right yeah. there was still that period where it was like 10 or 20 cents or whatever but when you go through that kind of uh cycle what happens is the people who get rich understandably they they spend the money right yeah. they either they cash it out into other coins or they reinvest it in projects and infrastructure in the scene right which is a good thing that will also happen when when bch goes up but there's a critical point to that which is once they get a big chunk of money you kind of get one shot at it or maybe sort of two it depends how, how you do it but if you get a huge influx of capital because your coin pumps then what happens is people spend it on like businesses or maybe even fun things festivals or events or whatever if though if they're smart with those investments then those investments pay off over a long period of time and that money keeps circulating in the ecosystem but if they don't do a good job if it all just kind of gets blown on yeah okay we got a couple new yachts and we had some sick conference that everyone oh remember that great conference the 2022 conference or whatever and that all the money gets blown but not any actual value is created then a year or two years later, you see the impact as the coins are being distributed out to more smaller side investors or whatever, and all the hype is gone and all the money just kind of is drying up. And then the ecosystem is like in a drought and really struggling, right? So I have in my mind that maybe that's going to be a period that AVAX is, is going into. I keep an eye on the subnet show that uh, Gabriel Cardona was doing with one other guy. Yeah. Connor and they again they at the time they were hype like they got more subs than the bch podcast pretty quickly but now i think we're just about to repass them again they haven't done an episode in eight or nine months and then before that they hadn't done one in ages and uh one of the co-hosts connor he said i'm too busy to do this i've got you know other things outside of crypto that i kind of want to do with my life so i'll still be involved but not on this show all the time and Gabriel kind of said, well, I'm going to keep the show going. But then obviously he didn't or, you know, with the best of intentions, probably it just didn't have a critical mass. And you can just see those wheels starting to slow down in the in the turning of the economy there. And so I really wanted to bring this up because I thought it would be a perfect example to the Bitcoin Cash community of, I guess, being a, a long term 
<laughs> long-term thinker. The future comes at you fast. You're not expecting it uh, when things are hype and everybody's going off. But before you know it, the choices you made last year and three years and five years ago are, are paying dividends for the better or the worse, right? Can we go on a quick tangent? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the purpose behind Rap Bitcoin? Well, it's a bit of another custodial scam, isn't it? <laughs> but it's just, so for people who don't know, what happened was, obviously, Bitcoin BTC refused to scale. And not only did they refuse to scale with the whole block size was, they also slowed all technical innovation to a halt. Any good technical improvements were verboten. And any crappy technical improvements like replaced by fee or segwit or uh, what is that? Well, taproot, I guess. Any kind of random garbage that was more likely to sabotage the protocol than actually help it got included. So what did that mean? Well, in the meantime, the rest of the world moved on and Ethereum started up the whole DeFi ecosystem and people on BDC were saying, no, this is a shitty thing. We don't need this. It's just scams and hype and whatever. But at a certain point, enough people in BTC thought, wait, we are we are seriously missing out on this. We need to get involved in this. So somebody tried to do a backing that you could have your Bitcoin in quotation marks, but also you could do DeFi stuff on Ethereum, like you could take out loans collateralized by your Bitcoin. Now, the way they do that is they have what's called wrapped Bitcoin, which is essentially just a multi-sig. As far as I know, there's some custodians. I'm pretty sure Blockstream is one of them. Maybe Tether is in there. A few like shady Hold characters. On. So this is essentially smart BCH, but on Ethereum. Yes. With BTC. Yes. Okay. And they did it, but they did it with a multi-sig and it hasn't yeah. blown up yet. So they're, they're doing better than we are yeah. on that front. Well, <laughs> we... I didn't cause any of this mess. Well, you and I are sitting pretty. Well, I know, and I, I know. I mean, we did, we did say, we did encourage people to try out Smart BCH, but we did also put in loads of disclaimers about it, and we certainly didn't encourage everyone to keep their keys custodially with CoinFlex. And if they hadn't done that, then there's still the, the what's it called, the BlockNG bridge you could still get yeah. out, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't feel like we have any blame in that. But as a community, all I'm saying yeah. is the bch community was not smart enough to completely dodge that maybe if we had done it with a five of nine multi-sig or whatever things would have been different i don't, yeah. I don't know but but that's kind of what it is on rap bitcoin right and i don't know how connected or independent all those independent people are i'm fairly sure that blockstream or somebody in that crowd is at least one of if not the major custodian so it feels to me like they could probably rug that if they really had a mind to uh, which undoubtedly they will do at a very inconvenient opportunity. So, but then there's all this cope about it in rap Bitcoin in the BDC community because people can say Lightning Network is this huge success. And somebody says, well, you've got 5,000 BTC capacity locked in Lightning Network and you have whatever it is, like 160,000 BTC in wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum. <laughs> like there's more Bitcoin <laughs> in a ETH L2, uh, after a manner of speaking, than there is in your own L2. So 
like the the market has spoken (laughs) (laughs) and crappy crappy logic that they're always using is the market is speaking and it's telling them that they're doing it wrong that all the eats even the hardcore bdc people they could just sell their bdc and then buy eth and then use their eth on ethereum but they've got this like cope of why don't we have wrapped bitcoin so that then we can be a part of eth without really acknowledging that we should have just bought the eth in the first place Hmm. right yeah i'm on board i'm just curious to see I guess where it ends up. Well, like it's gonna it, blow up at some stage. In the journey of the flipping, what happens to yeah. wrapped Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> well, people have suggested a couple of times, why don't we have wrapped Bitcoin on BCH? Which hasn't happened yet. But I can see a world where that happens. Nobody in BCH is gonna set that up, but I can see the BTC people starting to get a little bit panicky. And somebody being like, no, 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 that's fine. We've already got wrapped BTC on ETH. That takes care of those shit coiners. So why don't we just put a wrapped Bitcoin on BCH? Because BCH is terrible. You don't want BCH as a shit coin. But you do need to do X, Clip Y, or Z on BCH. So let's just let's just wrap wrap our BTC. That can be safely hodled with the majority hash rate, etc. But now we're on BCH, right? Yeah. It'll be very ironic. It'll be so funny when they do it. But I can see a world where it happens. So, you know, what happens to rap BTC? Well, probably it just gets completely wrecked. The flipping happens. The price of BTC plummets. And then the wrap BTC also becomes super worthless. Although maybe it might be more valuable at the exact moment of the flipping because you would have a better chance of being able to dump it for some other kind of asset, Oh, wouldn't that right? be ironic? Rapid when it becomes <laughs> that's, the, that's that's the exit. That's where everybody's like that's the exit in the in the cinema with the fire. Like people are just trying to cram out through the wrapped Bitcoin. And ETH fees are just lower than BTC fees. So people are like getting their money out that way. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So uh last week on the show we talked about the block size adjusting algorithm. We have a question in the survey. We will get to that. But there was a bit of confusion among Ray and I because Ray said that there was a two gigabyte max limit, essentially. And I said I didn't think there was a limit. So we luckily got clarified from Bitcoin Cash Audist has said. So there is a, a limit after a fashion, but the limit is not in the actual algorithm. So here's in his exact words quote read the two gigabyte limit it came up while work- working out bchn implementation it is temporary until 32 bit nodes are deprecated it would take more than four years to reach it and if nodes aren't ready for it then it would crash them so we have to be explicit about this the temp two gigabyte limit doesn't affect the algo's internal state it can be easily removed as if it was never there without needing to adhere to the hard fork schedule once 32-bit is removed, the 64-bit, in quotation marks, hard limit will be 12297829382473034368 bytes. The numbers, Mason, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, hundreds of th- thousands, millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions. What's after quadrillions? Do you know? 
whatever the I would assume just pentillion. Pen pentin Pentagon okay. five sides. So. <laughs> okay. Millions, billions. Okay, all right, yeah. Okay. All right. So pentillion. So maybe about twelve point two pentillion uh bytes once once we get uh onto sixty four bit architecture. But the yeah, so the basically the there is sort of a limit in the way that if we got up to two gigabyte blocks, if you have a BCHN on a 32-bit computer or running the 32-bit version of the software, it wouldn't be able to handle more than that, right? And is this a like limitation of the language that it's programmed in or no, I think it's it's the architecture, right? 30 32-bit nodes. It's oh, like the actual hardware level. Yeah. Okay. But I think they're current. So obviously they're releasing it right. Well, maybe not obviously, but I think they're releasing it right now for 32 bit computers. And then maybe in a couple of years, they're like, okay, nobody is even, if they're just out of date, if you don't have 64 bit. So we're going to stop supporting 32 bit. Do you know if there's a like, because we have the different architectures, right? So it's the ARM platform just 64 bit, or can you also have 32 bit stuff on ARM? Do you know? I don't know. We're re we're really at the edge. My <laughs> technical knowledge, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> there's the arm. There's that Pentium. Is that the same thing? <laughs> That's uh, one of them. I have no idea. I think I and I can't remember too. There's, there's a new the, yeah, Risk Five. One. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, the the upshot of this is <laughs> that there is a essentially kind of a soft max limit of two gigabytes, but that is at the minimum four years away even if the algo immediately maxed out, which it won't. Uh, so we would have plenty of time to remove it. And it can also be removed without obviously needing a chip and having to go through the whole cycle and do it on May 15th. So it's really not going to be a problem. It just might be that if we were that titanically successful, well, everybody who's made a few million on BCH should buy one new computer, basically, um, <laughs> to upgrade their architecture, which people probably already have anyway. So I'm glad we got that clarified. That was really good. Thanks. Thanks for that. How many going cash orders? How many gigabytes is that? Twelve pentillion bytes. You know? I I I, I don't know. I haven't what this translate to? Well, I don't know. Bust out the Google <laughs> Google and fig figure it out and tell us. I I was like, okay, it's a very big number, all right. <laughs> the the what I took away from this was, okay, it's not it's not going to be a problem. That's the that's the main thing. I think, yeah, maybe you can search up this number and find out how many how many bytes it is. Okay. I assume it's another power of two. It must be two gigabytes. Maybe it would then be four gigabytes. We'll just just type the whole number in. Oh my god! How many zeros is that? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. That is thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand, twelve million gigabytes. Twelve million gigabytes. Okay. All right. Perfect. If I All did right. this, so correctly, obviously there's a good chance I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's why I I was like, this number is obviously so big that we don't have to worry about it. So yet another thing that it's like, okay, if once we already are the global reserve currency, this would be a good problem to have like Unix timestamps running out or whatever. Okay, all right. Uh, next up, we've got the Cash Script Flipstarter. They've got 
110 of 120 BCH rays. So if anybody is feeling generous, uh, they should go and chuck in some coins to that. So it's a reusable library for smart contract integrations funding Matthew Hirkins, uh, who we've had on the show, and Roscoe Callis, who maybe we should have on the show in the future at some uh, point to make a v1.0 upgrade so they are really trying to get it out of beta and i guess take it to the next level and the reason i wanted to bring it up not only that we do like to sort of shout out flip starters that need a few more donations i think knuth has one going as well at the at the moment they might have already finished it i'm not sure uh but we're really seeing the whole bch economy come together quite nicely i feel like i when I was going on to contribute a little bit of funding to this, what I really noticed was that the top contributor is General Protocols with 40 BCH. And then the number four contributor is Fex.cash, who put in 6.45 BCH. And they said, these are all our AMM fees from cash and CRC pools so far. Thanks for your excellent work. So this is just an example of instead of people contributing the things that are nice to have or you know to support the economy in general companies are literally reinvesting money that they've earned back into the tooling providers that they rely on right so amori famously well i don't know how famously it was but he said one of the ways that people need to think of funding node infrastructure is as insurance right if you are anyone in the bth scene like this podcast for instance it's in our best interest to put at least some money back into node infrastructure because if you don't have nodes, well, then your whole thing's kind of screwed. And then the same th the same thing operates at every level. Well, then you need to, the nodes are kind of the base, but then you need to have the tooling on top of that. So we should contribute to that. And then you have the biz business service providers that operate to that. And you have the podcast, same thing. And so we have now organically in an economy with everything being interrelated and uh, reliant on each other, wherever there is excess funding and money, it can flow very smoothly to wherever the money is needed at whatever layer. Because at the well, at the moment, it's like the podcast sends some money to the node devs, but it could work the other way around. <laughs> if the node devs were crushing it and they had loads of money for some reason, and then the podcast was like, oh, no, we can't afford to <laughs> shill BCH anymore. Then they could donate to us. So I just think that the whole Flipstarter thing has been really, really impressing me and seems to be producing great results. The money is going to the right people. Over time, the community has got better about not getting scams, donating to people who just arrived on the scene and giving them a ton of cash instead it's going to projects that have been putting in hard work proof of work over and over do you have any thoughts on on any of this uh i think it's interesting to see the top contributors generally follow like that Pareto distribution and across flip starters too it's the same reoccurring names being the the top contributors i think it'd be nice to see a little more diversity there even in smaller amounts i think that would be kind of um something that would point us towards more normalcy in day-to-day -day life because like in normal flip starters it's not like you have or sorry and like gofundmes and that kind of thing it's not like you have one person who's sending the majority of the money normally it's friends and family with five bucks 20 bucks whatever they can 
I'd like to see. I I not. I mean, those generally have a track record of not being the greatest method to get funding. <laughs> um, so you know, there's some trade-offs there. But I think it would be interesting. Uh, it would. But there's a different dynamic in yeah. the BCH case, right? Because in the fiat case, well, firstly, the pool of people is much larger, so that's that's part of it. But also in the fiat case you're just donating money like there's no incentive for the rich people to make outsized contributions essentially these things came from okay we're going to do grassroots funding yeah. in bch it's the opposite because there is a fixed 21 million limit if you are one of the whales if you have a million bch it's actually worth it to you to give away 10% of that million, you might give away 100,000 BCH. And if it prompts the price 10 plus percent over a long enough time frame, you've made money. <laughs> you've gained a purchasing power and value. And so accelerated the, the economy too, right? Like, Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And you've benefited everybody uh, by doing that, right? That's that's what why the whole loop is internally consistent because... The top whales are the ones in crypto are the ones most incentivized to give away their money. The little guys get to ride along for free and you just, you don't need to, you never get diluted and you also don't need to give anything away. If you don't have the cash, don't worry about it. Yeah. But if you've got loads of money in, involved, you've got to make sure it works out. So, or, or obviously you can sell your, sell your stash, but then it just goes to somebody new who becomes the new, <laughs> new biggest holders or biggest uh whales so i think that's kind of why we why we see that. and i don't think that will really go away i think the the list will increase obviously as time goes on more people will come into the community and maybe we'll really know that the success is really ramping up once we see a few new whales start to pop in there because it means they will have one joined the community two bought up a huge bag three figured out how Flipstarter works and four found the projects that they think are most essential to the community and then giving them a bit of cash to keep things going right yeah that's all i really wanted to say about the flip starters i think it's proving proving gold and maybe i i think also there's that people should lean into that right the idea is do more of what's working and do less of what isn't working so i myself was a little bit hesitant to get too involved in flip startering and obviously we ran the podcast a long time without actually doing that but we've done the flip starters and they've been a huge success and people are actually saying you should do a bigger flip starter because we want to give you more money and i think well i've got you know there's donation qr codes you can just send in any amount of money you want to give us but for some reason people there is money to be given away in flip starters specifically and that's how people seem to prefer to do the funding so for the podcast or for any other projects if that's how there's money there and if you're doing good work like try and get a slice of it and then just deliver on it that's that's what should be happening don't be too hesitant about it i think because the worst thing that can happen is you just run the flip starter and it doesn't work in which case maybe you just try again with a smaller target or you get uh, do some more proof of work to build up credibility for next time or whatever it is like maybe this will just be the way that all the funding is is done, right? Like obviously we have donation QR codes or you could do different monetization with advertising or 
various different things, but maybe over time it's just proven that this is the most efficient way for the BCH economy to cooperate. And as, like, there's no scaling limit on Flipstarter that I'm aware of, right? It can just <laughs> eventually, like, it's already close to the point where you can even be aware of most of the Flipstarters or all of them. It will soon get to the point that people will just be running Flipstarters in some corner of the world that 99% of people don't know about. Yeah. And then that's just happening all over the place, right? Yeah. And it's not like, okay, this is like a third party hosted okay. thing. So we'll have, like, it's not scaling here won't be an issue at all. It'll be nice to see this yeah. tool grow. Although I would also like to see the the developers, like, I know there's a couple different versions now too, but it would be nice to see them get some kind of a kickback for their work. And like the more Flipstarter gets used, but over time, I'm sure maybe they can just run a flipstar. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, Sa- Saeed has his his version, yeah. which uh, uh, I suggested to him, look, just make it a $10 one-time fee or something to uh, register, to host up all your stuff. And I, I think it was the same thing. He was kind of thinking as to me, like, oh, have I really done enough to justify? Will people pay? That kind of thing. But they probably would. I would instantly... Do, uh, 10 bucks saves you so much time in setting it all up nice and everything just do that and another thing that would be really nice as well to see is there's so much opportunity in this space for somebody to come in and make uh, an archiving service that keeps track of a lot of them or that makes them so or that aggregates average size of flip starters how long does they usually take to get funded like the stats and info and analytics around that would be both super interesting and or super valuable because then people could use that to uh, hone in on what was the optimal way, you know, size for them to pitch and what would need to deliver. And maybe that we would see patterns in which ones worked and which ones didn't. There could be so much uh, could be done there. So if you're looking for a business or opportunity to start in the Bitcoin cash space, that's that's one I would I would recommend. Maybe look look into that. Flipstart archiving. And I know there have been some minimal attempts at that, but there's nothing crushing to point to. So, uh, big opportunity there. So, we've got the proof of stake Ethereum governance crisis. So, I don't know tons about this. I'm not deep down the rabbit hole on all this, but I thought it was worth flagging for people who are interested in this kind of stuff and want to pull on that thread and figure out what's going on. But what has happened is that Lido, which is the biggest ETH staking pool, is now up to close, or maybe even exceeding by this time, 33% of the stake. So in Bitcoin, you have miners, everybody has their ASICs and they connect to pools. And if the pool is getting up to 33% or more like 50%, then that's a really big problem because then they could have central control of the network. So ghash.io famously got close to that with 45% in 2014, I believe. So everybody pulled out of that pool and they redirected their miners to another one. And now GHash doesn't even exist anymore. And so there's sort of a bit of, again, it's like that power law distribution with Foundry, I think usually has about 35% and then some have 20% and then 10% and five and 1%, right? So it's a whole spread Although the pools, I'm fairly confident, are actually a good... they amalgamated a lot of miners. I've heard recently that there are, you know, many, many... Like in that foundry, 30%, there is hundreds 
apparently, uh, of even independent actors and mining farms and operations and different things in there, right? So if they become a problem, fairly confident that they, you know, their network hash rate can just redistribute. So Ethereum has a similar dynamic where they've now switched to proof of stake one year ago. And instead of having mining pools, they have staking pools, which is that to stake, you need 32 ETH. Uh, so if you have less than that, you need to group up with a bunch of other people <laughs> and put your money into it and then have somebody stake on your behalf in batches of 32, which Coinbase and Kraken and things and Binance maybe offer. Uh, as well as Lido, which is this somewhat decentralized, I'm not deep on the detail, uh, ability for you. You can put in your ETH and you've staked it they, or they stake it on your behalf or something, but then you get back a staked ETH token. So now you're collecting transaction fees as a staker, but you also have, instead of your ETH, you have your staked ETH. So now you can trade that around to somebody. You could use it to back a loan that you're taking out. You can... I don't know, degen, gamble it in various different ways. So because Lido are obviously providing maybe the cheapest fees or the best service or whatever, everybody's just throwing their money into there. But And it's now getting to the point where it's over 33% that under proof of stake, they can potentially attack the network and cause some serious problems. So the ETH people are now in a bit of a mess with that. So I've got a Twitter quote here from Zan Crypto, who presumably knows quite a bit more about this than I do. And I'm just going to read, it's actually quite a long list. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not going to read all of this, but we'll just read a little bit of it uh, to give us a flavor of how this feels in the ETH community. So from Zan Crypto, quote, is Lido too big to fail? Lido is a liquid staking protocol that allows users to stake their Ethereum. Lido works by creating a synthetic asset called staked ETH, STETH, which is pegged one-to-one -to, -one to ETH. When users stake their ETH with Lido, they receive staked ETH in return. Staked ETH can be used in DeFi protocols, traded on exchanges, or simply held. This means that users can still use their staked ETH while their ETH is being staked, and they can also unstake it at any time. This is useful because it negates the need for waiting in the entry and exit queues and also lowers the barrier to staking since you don't need to have the technical knowledge to run a node. Lido is the dominant liquid staking protocol on Ethereum with 74% share of the liquid staking market. With regard to all ETH staked, Lido represents about 30% of the market. In my view, Lido is now of systemic importance. Lido cannot fail because the implications for Ethereum would be disastrous. To see this, let's look at a hypothetical situation where there is a bug in the Lido smart contracts and a material amount of ETH is stolen or lost. In such a case, the staked ETH holders will take a material haircut in ETH terms, only recovering some percentage, let's say. Staked ETH would materially unpeg from ETH, and because of its widespread financialization, this will likely have huge negative impacts across the broader De Ethereum DeFi ecosystem. Given a liquid staking tokens liquidity network effect, it will only get further entrenched in time. This loss, however, will pale in comparison to the damage done to the directional ideology of decentralization. Stakers are important because they enable more validators, which decentralizes the network. Blah, 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 blah. Like a bunch of stuff. 
that he says here. And then this is why I believe that layer zero or social consensus will be obligated to protect stakers and hence validators above all else, especially so given Lido's staked ETH's position in the current market. I know that Vitalik Buterin warned about relying on layer zero for a bailout. The alternative is far worse in my opinion. Why would anyone want to stake at yields below the risk-free USD rate if there is no protection, i.e. perceived low risk because layer zero will step in to make the stake as whole? In effect, I'm saying there is a Vitalik slash Ethereum Foundation slash layer zero put that protects the stakers in the largest liquid, liquid staking protocol. Currently, this is Lido, end quote. And he said a little bit more. He's got some graphs here. But uh, this is not sounding <laughs> very decentralized. I've got to say, they've got the, the liquid staking going on. It's becoming a governance risk. And this guy is now going to say, Vitalik, you gotta, we gotta, we gotta have confidence from the Central Reserve Bank of Vitalik that they're gonna bail us out. If there's a code bug, please, gosh, please help. <laughs> what do you think? It seems very weird to me that this guy is saying that we need to protect stakers for the sake of decentralization when the centralization risk is coming from stakers from right the now. staking <laughs> like what are you, what uh, okay this is painful i don't like this take like let it fail let everything fail i bring darwinism to the cryptocurrency well in bch we've we've got that right that's this is kind of the point is that the merge to proof of stake from ethereum was one year ago roughly and at that time that was their big narrative that guys this is going to fix everything which is kind of how the ethereum community does things they have eip 4844 they have the merge they have the verge and splurge and purge whatever every every different week there's something new that is going to fix everything don't worry about it guys and then as soon as they've got it in well not as soon as but they get it in it's all great and then six months later the problems with that start emerging yeah. and then they've got a new thing and a new fix and a new fix right and this is why the btc people rightly dunk on them for that and say you guys just change your narrative every five minutes of course BTC people are also somewhat susceptible of that in their own way, uh, but it's it's still a, it's still a valid point, right? And I don't think the Ethereum community is necessarily that self-aware that they do just constantly have these band-aids upon band-aids. So proof of stake was going to fix everything. Uh, I've said before, Justin Drake, 20x greater economic security. There's it's all going to be cool. We've lowered our energy consumption. Blah 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 blah. Right? All the upsides are shouted out very loudly and then the downsides are kind of no nah, no nah, that's fine explained away hand waving yeah here we are a year later and well it's already turning into a problem so they spent all this time to switch from proof of work to proof of stake only to discover that mm, it wasn't the smartest smartest move right it's pretty ironic i'm i'm anyway all i'm i'm saying is that i'm kind of glad that the bitcoin cash community proof of work and we're sticking with that and like you said, it's about simple. There's strength and simplicity, right? Yeah. Don't fuck with it if it's working. 
Do you uh, see this uh, question in the chat? Can the staking pool have all the decision-making power on behalf of the stakers? Well, see, that's a good question. And like I said, I'm not deep in the weeds. I know that I have seen previous commentary, let's say, from Ethereum-related people saying, no, no, Lido's decentralized. It's not just they control the shots. I think there might be some token governance voting or something like that. But I always felt, and I haven't dug into the details, so I don't know, but my intuition is, and from everything I could see, I could see there was a bit of coping and rationalizing going on there. You know, when you get that sense, somebody's telling you a story because they want to believe that. Yeah. And then clearly here we are now that it's at 33% and like, yeah, yeah, guys will eventually sort of somehow decentralize it has now become shit. We haven't done it yet. And they're uh, becoming a critical risk to the network. And like this post mentions, if there was a bug in Lido, if there was any kind of governance crash, well, what about the token holders? What if what if some of them, somebody somehow buys up a bunch of them and then they're controlling the ship? <laughs> and how do you how do you get somebody out of that? And this guy's already saying, well, uh, Vitalik and the Ethereum Foundation are backing up this whole scheme. But then Vitalik's saying, no, no, I don't want to fuck around with that. But the problem is they've created a uh, an expectation in the community because they did the DAO fork. At yeah. the time, everybody said, if you do this DAO fork and they have this whole social layer zero uh, narrative that they can do sort of a community bailout if everyone agrees. It's the same as consensus on BDC. If everyone agrees, we can do drive chains, right? Well, if everybody agrees, they can do a layer zero bailout of LIDO potentially. But nobody knows what exactly the rules for that were or who would have to lose how much money before it became incentive enough to do it. And somebody would be getting screwed over either way, right? So, I mean, that's that's why like when BCH had the CoinFlex disaster, there was like one or two people, nobody influential said, let's, let's do a bailout or, you know, take the coins. But everybody was like, we fucked up. That was a lot of BCH. Yeah. <laughs> But there was no question of what are we going to somehow revoke the coins or put in a new network? No, everybody was like, fuck, they got the money. <laughs> I think that was a good move. Yeah, I also think that was a good move. We, I mean, we did see people get real salty and some people like left the community after that. But I think those people were less interested in permissionless economy things and more interested in gambling. Yeah, I mean, there was some about it. But even those people, it's fair enough to just say, fuck, this didn't work, I'm out. Yeah, That's different to being in the community and saying, guys, we need a bailout. Like, nobody yeah. was, certainly nobody influential. Did I have more respect for somebody who just leaves the community and says, okay, this project isn't for me than somebody who sticks around to start start up a bailout nonsense right yeah so yeah I think anyway but people who are interested in this obviously go and look into the ETH community and what the latest discussion I don't know whether it's gone up or down from here or what's happened but the at the high level it just goes to show and I think it's also pertinent well, obviously we we're just talking about Avalanche this was all about one year ago that merge is going to fix everything and here we are a year later and maybe it's not actually you know as as sorted as it seemed like it was going to be, really. Um, so yeah, proof of work, still looking good. Okay, on to the listener survey. So we have been hyping that up. It's the main focus of this episode. 
It was just 13 questions. Last year, we got 37 listener responses. This year, we got 42 responses. So it's good to see that year and year of, of growth. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. I had a quick look at the episode from last year, which was number 59 on the 27th of September, 2022. So if anybody wants to go and see where things were at last year or the details of last year's, then they can check that out. Uh, but what were the topics we were talking about at that time? Any hedge alpha testing was completed, and now we have BCH bull publicly done. It's rocking. Everyone's loving it. They just recently were hitting all-time highs on the TVL. Great to see that. Great work by that team. Uh, Avalanche AVAX was having a legal scandal over the leaked document, the leaked videos of that guy saying that he basically scammed a bunch of people. <laughs> and here we are, one year later. <laughs> Avalanche has fallen out of the top 20. <laughs> so the fallout of all that may be, may be causing some issues in the back, back end. And Liz Truss had apparently become the UK PM, which didn't last very long. And then I think Boris was back in and now we're on to Rishi. So politics in the fiat world, also just an absolute clown fiesta. Uh, really goes to show how things can be different in a year. So let's get onto the podcast survey. So like yep. I said, we had 44 responses. Yeah. Yep. Got it pulled up here. Okay. Brilliant. All right. So question one, did you complete the 2022 podcast survey last year? The options were yes, no, and no, but I only started listening in the last year. So I didn't know about it. So according to this, 14 people said yes, they did the survey last year. Thank you to those people. That's dedicated listeners uh, who have done the survey twice. 40.9%, uh, 18 people said no. And 12 people, 27.3% said no, but I only started listening in the last year. So I didn't know about it. So what I take away from this is, yeah, it's good. We've got a strong amount of the community, the dedicated listeners and coming back nearly, you know, roughly a third. We've got about a third that were listening last year, but didn't do the survey. So obviously some of the people who did do the survey last year, didn't do it this year. So there's been some turnover there. Uh, and about a third have, have joined the show and are loving it enough in the last year to, to fill out the survey. Right. So I, I thought this was great. This was super cool. Right. Yeah. I would like to see that blue percentage increase. Aside from that. Next year. Yeah, happy yeah. with it. Well, that's right. But maybe, and it comes down to the total amount in the future, right? Because what would be great next year would be like, let's say the responses doubled up to 88. But then like there's the percentage distribution and there's the total number of responses, right? So next year, maybe it could be much more said, yes, I did it last year. And over time, that segment can grow as more and more people uh, complete it year after year. Yeah. And then at the same time, I feel like the yellow segment of no, but I only started listening in the last year, so I didn't know about it. That can grow over time as the exponential of BCH adoption kicks in and more and more people come in. So that will raise the total numbers, but also the percentage of, of people who are new to the show. Uh, like, we'll, I, I would not be super happy if that yellow segment was super small if it was only yeah. <laughs> you know five percent of people that would show that we weren't reaching enough new people i'd say okay cool so question two i'm male 42 responses 95.5 percent 
female, zero (laughs) percent, no responses, and none of your business, two people, 4.5 percent. So, when we had a look at this last year, it's essentially the same. Want me to switch back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, last year it was 97.4 percent male and 2.6% 2.6% none of your business and this year it's it's the same so it's all the lads i know that there are a couple of female listeners i do know that but obviously they didn't want to fill out the survey or maybe they just ticked none of your business fair enough but it's all the lads so at least in my mind <laughs> as you're listening to this wherever you're listening to this in my mind i can imagine like the room of all the guys in there <laughs> listening to us talk shit <laughs> so now you all can imagine imagine that as well too but that demographic uh info is always interesting to have and i expect i would expect that next year will probably be fairly similar and then perhaps the year after that and the year after that we'll start seeing the female segment start to grow right because the communities with the highest percentage of uh women in crypto which is obviously great are the largest ones yeah. right i think the bigger ones especially eth seems to do a really good job of that uh but also btc has a decent representation just because it's so big and once it's at that size then you first you get a few female adopted and then you get more and more as they uh you know start to have a little uh you know female sub community in their in their community and that's great that's amazing we want to encourage that where we can but i think the fix is really you know, to just grow the community, uh, essentially. I wonder if there's like a psychological attraction that like as a distincting, it's a distinguishing uh, feature between BTC and BCH, right? Knowing that women are the one that are spending most of the money in an economy and BTC says, don't spend it, hodl it. And BCH says it's cash, use it, spend it, spend and replace, right? I wonder if that gives us a little bit of a psychological advantage. Uh, I mean, also a practical advantage, but we all know that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I hope I hope so. I think that, like the, the BDC community, and while they do have, you know, women, there's not necessarily all that many super prominent. There's like Caitlin Long and Natalie Brunel and then... There's a couple of those ones that are sort of like coupley focused ones. There's the crypto couple, and um, what do you what do you have? You have Leia Halpern, but she's a bit more of a a bit of everything. She's pretty strongly on the BDC, but she started shilling her own projects at some point recently, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I get, I just get the sense it's too cultish. Like, yeah. it's it's hard hard to buy them into that nonsense basically we're all gonna get rich they can smell that that's bullshit right (laughs) i think that's what it is like guys are a bit more like i need to get rich like i will take a big risk to get rich even despite all my friends and family and everybody saying like dude you are down the rabbit you and got it you got to listen to us man guys haven't had the the cultural like historical impact of tupperware mlms and pyramid schemes during the (laughs) 70s and 80s (laughs) maybe maybe i think just men are more they're more they're more willing to take a large risk to try and get really rich they're much more likely to be that black or white all or nothing thinking especially when it comes to 
finances, right? And also because the BTC community has trended so heavily into being uh, so technical, right? It's so much about running your lightning node and having your channel and who's got the best chatter on the Bitcoin dev mailing list. And like you look at the top people in their community, it's like Adam Back, is he married or does he have kids? Like as far as I'm aware, right? Peter Todd, Greg Maxwell, Luke Luke Jr. He has like eight kids because he's a fundamentalist Christian or whatever. But uh, yeah, like you could just see exactly where that culture is is flowing from, I'd say. I don't know, just a thought. Anyway, it's all the lads, so good stuff there. Question three, age, I'm in my, we have teens, one person, 2.4%. 20s, five responses, 11.9%. 30s, 15 responses, 35.7%. 40s, 11 responses, 26.2%. 50s, six responses, 14.3%. 60s, one response, 2.4%. 70s, one response, 2.4%. And none of your business, two responses, 4.8%. Nobody said 80s or 90s plus. So... Essentially, the two biggest demographics by far are 30 and 40s. Between them, that's 60%, over 60% of the listener base. And then after that, you have the adjacent ones of 20s and, and 50s as well being the sort of small segments. And then, yeah, shout out to our one teenage listener who responded. You are in a very good spot, my friend. All you need to do is stick some bch in cold storage and forget about it for 10 years well still be part of the community and all that but <laughs> you're you've got the one advantage that everybody else doesn't which is time <laughs> so <laughs> chuck it in chuck it in cold storage and you'll be good in five or ten years uh, this looks compared like, to last year yeah this looks yeah, go on. a little more diverse than last year yeah last year we had yeah yeah last year we had 50s was much lower we've got a big surge in like 50s and 40s 30s is is has shrunk 30s was the biggest one last year at 47 percent, so nearly half in the 30s uh but that's shrunk to make way for more people in their 50s it seems like so that's really good i'm really glad to see that spreading out maybe we don't have the best uh gender balance at the moment but getting a spread across the age demographics it will be another way and i think one of the signs that we're really kicking off again in this metric will be if we have a big surge in the teens or yeah maybe in the 50s like maybe if 40s and 50s kept growing that would show that we were breaking through to society you know people who already have a bit more set up in their career a bit more skeptical probably not as likely to get drawn into all the crypto scams and bullshit yeah if bch starts attracting a big segment of them which it seems like according to this at least we're on the right track then then i would say that's that's really good but it does cut to that i've said before on the show that i feel like there's a lot of sort of young dads in the in the community like when you look around at people who are contributing to various things a lot of a lot of guys in their in their 30s and 40s with you know a couple kids uh so it's good to see that that's a that's a good foundation for a community, right? That's a very future-oriented demographic. Uh, so I'm yeah, really happy about that. 
Okay. I have been in Bitcoin, according to your own definition, since what year? So got here. Uh, it's not, is it arranged in the right order? Yeah, it is. Okay. So since 2009, two answers, 4.7%. 2010, one answer, 2.3%. 2011, five answers, 11.6%. 2012, one answer, 2.3%. 2013, four responses, 9.3%. 2014, eight responses, 18.6%. 2015, two responses, 4.7%. 2016, three responses, 7%. 2017, five responses, 11.6%. 2019, two responses, 4.7%. 2020, seven responses, 16.3%. 2021, one response, 2.3%. 2022, two responses, 4.7%. So nobody in 2023... 2018 yeah those not not those years so nobody just nobody in 2020-23 that kind of kind of takes me by surprise or maybe they just weren't keen enough to fill out the survey we've got two from 2022 so i'm glad to see that well the entire crypto market was kind of collapsing in on itself during 2023 (laughs) as well yes (laughs) it doesn't surprise me that people weren't uh, that attracted to joining the space bitcoin cash in that year i mean as compared to like if we take a look at last year so last year the biggest segments were 2013 2014 and 2017 it was the bull run years and 2011 were the biggest ones this year we've yeah we've diversified a bit more 2014 is still a big year 2020 is actually a big year as well so that was also sort of bull run 2020 2017, 2014. So the bull run years are still the biggest. We've still got a good, really good spread of OGs though. Up to 2015 comprises nearly 50%. Yeah. So from 2009 until 2015, the, the chunk of the pie is over half of the responses uh, to this survey. So that can maybe influence the way you see the answers to the rest of the questions. Uh, as well too but obviously this one will also be a huge uh, indicator for when we get a huge surge of listeners if the because the small segments cut they just can't grow as there's just not as many of those people in the world but the 2020 21 21 2018 19 those years when they start to grow up that means we'll be attracting a lot of people who maybe were post-split bitcoin adopters and they didn't really follow bch or didn't really get involved so that's why i think i'm looking for there okay next question which is what question five one two three four yeah question five i have 60 percent 26 answers bch plus some other crypto and or 60.5 percent and bch only no other crypto is 17 responses, 39.5%. So 40% Bcash maximalists and 60% with a filthy spread (laughs) of cryptos. Nobody said some other crypto, but no BCH. So everybody who listens to the show enough to respond to the podcast has has BCH. That makes sense. 
and nobody said no crypto so there's also no no coiners uh behind the game as usual and that's actually this so last year it was the same nobody answered either of those two but last year the bch maxis was 23 percent and this year it's jumped to 40 percent so i maybe that's a bit of a trend i do wonder if the community is getting more maximalist over time not more toxic it's probably getting less toxic actually but more maximalist because ideally that's that's how we want things to be right i have a little bit of monero and i'm kind of thinking i need i need to sell it like it's just too much of a hassle to open up the open up the wallet and do it but that's the only other coin i have at the moment so like bch should be growing in maximalism over time as the network effect compounds as there's more to do in the economy there's more services as we've got a lot of the stuff covered that other coins have which you might need them for presumably the community will get more maximalist right yeah and i think i've argued this point on the podcast a couple times like the more people use other coins the more it'll slowly just get funneled into bch anyway i encourage people to experiment with a bunch of different coins because i think at some point everyone realizes there's one that's most useful and it's just network effect right yeah if you have if you have five different coins you're in a little bit of all these other coins then you get a little bit of bch it's like a like a gravitational pull like you're saying you could transact a bit in bch and then you discover wait a second the community has this service and that service and this and lots of little different things that you can get into yeah and then you think wait this is actually kicking off more than more than i expected like i need to sell some of these other ones i need to up my allocation in bch and then that that process just like on a global scale that's what's happening right people are filtering away from fiat into crypto and then down into bch right so it's like sort of at that bottom of that funnel and at the end of the day global reserve currency that will be when just pretty much everybody has just got to the bottom of that funnel right yeah so i think that's actually good yeah i'm hoping to see like it would be amazing if as time goes on that share can increase that to me that shows the community is on the right track it will be hard to do if let's say you know again it's about percentages so if we have 44 responses now if the responses quadruple but the bch maximalist share ticks up a bit at the same time as that that shows that we're doing a brilliant job yeah i think okay question six so let's find out what coins everybody has besides bch i have a bag of btc 16 responses 40 percent which was the largest uh response eth 15 responses 37.5 percent cardano six responses 15 percent solana two responses five percent litecoin four responses 10 percent dogecoin five responses 12.5 percent avax three responses 7.5 percent bsv five responses 12.5 percent xec two responses five percent xmr monero 11 responses 27.5 percent usdt three responses 7.5 percent usdc two responses five percent bnb two responses five percent icp one response 2.5 percent yeah i put that in there as a meme i i feel like the person who said that might have just been trolling but anyway uh something else uh 13 responses 32.5 percent bch only who cares about that trash 13 responses 2.5 percent I'm a no coiner once again, 0%. So 
what we see here, this something else column is pretty big. When I looked at this, this stuck out to me, like 13 people. Tick I thought, what else is there? Ripple is missing from this list. So I might need to add that next year. But other than that, am I... There's also tokens on other, like there's Polygon, Matic, there's Layer 2s on ETH. Yeah, Do you I think that's... I wouldn't worry about the Layer 2s. What would... about cash tokens? Yeah, I also would Are people ticking that? that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to clarify this next year to say exclude tokens and cash tokens. They don't count. Yeah. Like it says I have a bag of, so I can imagine people to anyway. I'm, I was just wondering, like, what that's a huge percentage, and this is all the major coins. What are we missing? But I think Ripple is missing. Die, Lugaxka says, okay, yeah, die. Definitely, we could add that in. Um, good to see that uh, usage of USDT and USDC is pretty low. Obviously, people who are in that, you should know the risks involved in those. and Look up the CoffeeZilla video on Tether. Uh, I'm not saying don't use it, but I'm saying be aware of what you're doing if you are. Let's take a look. Compared to last year, so last year, Ethereum had 58% and BTC had 30%. This year, BTC has 40% and ETH has 37%. So BTC has doubled and at the same time, Wild. ETH has gone down one third to put BTC in the lead for co-owning on this show. Yeah, what do you, what do you make of that? Why BTC has been one of the worst performing assets in all of cryptocurrency for the past year, and our viewers are getting that. more of it. <laughs> well, but here? it's well, but we we're also getting new listeners. Like we said, we got. 27% that have joined the show. Maybe we've got people bleeding across from the BTC community into the BCH community. So that's why they're not BCH only yet, but they've got some BTC. Maybe they've yeah, okay. dabbled, picked up a little bit of BCH. They're listening to the show, filling it out. I mean, there's been a lot of the, that's what I feel like a lot of this Twitter arguing and stuff that we do comes down to is a lot of people are going to be seeing these threads and thinking, what the hell's going on here? Like, I need I need to know what this story is about because there's a lot of contention about it, uh, especially as we just win those debates over and over again, and an outside observer can easily see that. So, stumble onto one of those threads, you listen to the podcast. I don't know. I think it's probably a good sign. Maybe well, it shows that maybe people were not convinced about the ETH merge. That's another thing, right? People yeah. selling off their ETH. What are, what about these other coins? None of them really impressed me a, a bunch. Solana, we've got a couple listeners. Last year, it was nobody had Solana. We've got uh, Cardano is about the same. Litecoin has doubled to 10%. Doge has doubled to 12%. Avalanche has also increased. Be it, yeah, but it's be, the, Avalanche same. increased, but it's the same number of holders, just three. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a proportionate smaller. Uh, eCash is basically... One oh, person sold off. BSB yeah. is the same. Monero is up to... No, Monero is down, actually, yeah. to 27.5%. So that's why I think that I think this is the same conclusion. Like, the show is picking up new listeners that have 
kind of these other coins like Solana or Litecoin or whatever. But then at the same time, the community is getting more maximalist. They're selling off their XMR and there may be more BTC style thinkers who are more maximalist in orientation yeah. and will at some point become BCH maximalist. Okay, we got the next question. This one I was super interested in and I we didn't do this one last year, so I'm going to be fascinated to see over time how this plays out. I'm going to run to the washroom real quick. Okay, yeah. all right. Beer back. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate the current state of Bitcoin Cash's community and progress? So the options are obviously 1 to 10. Nobody said 1. Nobody said 2. One person, 2.3%, said 3. One person, 2.3%, said 4. Nobody said 5. One person... 2.3% said 6. Four people, 9.1% said 7. 22 people, which is 50%, said 8. Seven people, 15.9%, uh, said 9. And eight people, 18.2%, gave BCH Community's current progress a full 10 out of 10. So... From these numbers, it's over essentially over 90% of the community said at least 7 out of 10. And I've, yeah, even nearly 90% said 8 plus out of 10 which I think just goes to show I'm this is crazy number though. 20% of people said 10 out of 10. It's the best it's ever been. I personally, my vote was for eight. I voted for eight out of 10. Cause I think we're doing good. Things are going in the right direction, really optimistic, loving it, but I could see some areas of improvement, right? I could see the scene growing a bit faster. I could see us getting a few more shout outs from the general crypto scene. Things could have gone a little bit better in St. Kitts with the legal tender, right? There's just a few edges that I feel could be better, but I think this is so bullish for BCH. If like nobody, you know, one, two, only three people responded less than a seven. Like this is what a united, happy community looks like, right? I think so. I wonder what this would look like for the people, like um, if anyone didn't have any BCH. Uh, what what this would look like and also like if we could get the same response from uh, other coin communities about their own coin i think that'd be nice numbers to have comparisons to well the data set is still a bit small we've got 44 responses if it was 10x bigger if it was 400 responses you can actually look at the the responses you can break them down individually so we could actually do the metrics of you know what's the rating of this uh coin community based on people who also answered that they were new to the show in the last year for instance we could get like the old listener uh feeling versus the new listener feeling i think the sample size is probably a bit small to really take that as that useful but maybe next year if we get a much bigger sample size we can we can do some extra analytics and, and break that down 
but yeah, I mean, I've been feeling great about the community, but that to me, that just is like the everybody's happy. It's all moving in the right direction, right? Really, really, really good to see. And so this is kind of one of those things where we're already doing good and it's just, can we do a bit better? It's not like there's a, like if there was a lot of discontent here, I would see and there must be some problem festering in the community that I'm not aware of or yeah. people are really cheesed off about Coinflex or something like that. <laughs> and we didn't ask this question last year, right? No, we didn't. Right. So it would be, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year when we can get the the updated uh, version of that. Okay, next question. Are you in favor of Bitcoin Cash orders chip to algorithmically adjust block size limit? Yes. Lock in November 2023 for May 2024 upgrade, please. Got 31 answers, 70.5%. No, the concept is good, but needs more time, discussion, research, maybe next year. Got three answers, 6.8%. No, a block size increasing algorithm is a bad idea. Got zero responses, 0%. And unsure, don't know enough about it. Got 11 answers, 25 so I was watching this. I've been watching these responses as they come in over time to get a bit of a sense. So the the early, when we first launched this in the first twenty responses, I'd say the nobody said the concept is good but needs more time and discussion. And there was even more people saying yes, lock it in. So that's over 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 time. The yes has shrunk a little bit, and the unsure has gone up. And also the concept is good, but we need to talk also made a bit of an appearance, but not one person said we don't uh, block sizing increase. Uh, the algorithm is at its core, a bad idea. Uh, you know, to me, I'd say this is like, we can lock that in in November. I would say on these numbers, 70% think let's do it. 6% think uh, it needs more time discussion research. That's pretty, that's only like, it's 10 to one people who said, Let's do it versus people who said, no, it's a good idea, but, uh, you know, I need a little bit more time to feel more comfortable with it. And then 11, 25% of people said, don't know enough about it. And if that's the case, then uh, either one, you don't care. And maybe in next year, we'll have to split those out. One is I just don't care enough. Like I think whatever, whatever the community wants to do, I'm down with it. That could be one angle. And the other one is I haven't researched it enough, but I would like to have an opinion. So next year, I think I'm going to try and make those two options separate. But the for those people, if you do want to be involved, now is the time. Go look into it, read up on it. We've covered it on this show quite a few times. <laughs> but the best source is to just read the actual chip document itself. Uh, and then, yeah, look up Bitcoin Cash Orders. Go on BitcoinCashResearch.org. Find it, read the spec, and figure it out. Because if you want to object, you've got about two months to do it. nine october yeah you've got about two months to do it and start making an uproar because otherwise looks to me like it's gonna lock in also i'm curious how many of the people that voted no concept is good but needs more time hasn't read through those threads like i feel like there's already been quite a lot of time and discussion and research so yeah yeah i don't know I, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm wary, you know, if there's people saying, no, the concept is good, but needs more time, discussion, research, I think we should be a bit conservative. I think we should listen to those people, but 6.8% is not 
not convincing me. Like if most people are on board, let's get it done and move on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, I sort of feel like we don't, obviously we, we don't want to rush. We don't want to break things and we don't want to do something stupid that we can't undo. But at the same time, like we, we don't have forever. Like we gotta, we gotta make, make gains. And if this gets locked in, then the next year we can do another like cash tokens. Imagine if we were still arguing about cash tokens this year or no, it may needs more time then we wouldn't have got onto this block size them. So now that's looking good. So hello to Sid71520 in the chat. Welcome. Okay, so next question. ETH will flip BTC to number one crypto. Seven people, 16.7% said 2024. Nobody said 2023, by the way. Uh, 2025, five people, 11.9%. 2026, four people, 9.5%. Later, five people, 11.9%. Never, three people, 7.1%. And BCH will overtake BTC before ETH does, coming in with a massive 18 answers, 42.9%. So to me, this is just the rise of the BCH maxis again. <laughs> This is like ETH is garbage. That's never gonna flip BDC. They're stuck. They've got scaling problems. Compared they, to last year, that's just boom. Yeah, it's a huge rocket up. Well, last year we had 20% of people said BCH will overtake first. This year it's more than doubled to 42 and 43%. Right. So that's the and I think and that comes along with people selling off their their ETH, right? Yeah. In the coins, people are selling off their ETH and everybody thinks BCH is going to flip. So maybe a lot of people, that was last year, it was at the time of the merge, shortly after, shortly before, I can't remember, but it was about the time of the merge. Now we've had one year of hindsight, like the triple halvening. Remember that? It's the triple halvening. Ultrasound, money, burn, <laughs> proof of stake. We're going to rock it up and take over. It, this didn't happen. Yeah. Didn't happen. So I I feel like ETH is just the the podcast listeners are thumbs down on ETH this year hardcore. So, well, because we can see last year, two people voted for twenty twenty two. Yeah. So they're wrong. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, hang on a second. Uh, well, twenty one point six percent said. 2023 that's still technically plausible it could happen before the end of the year but it's not going to right yeah. so uh, yeah a quarter of list maybe those and that roughly matches to how much the bch flipping went up so maybe people were like i was wrong actually i had it all i was all in on the merge so fuck that <laughs> it's got nothing in the pipeline let's just go for bch so yeah, the 2023, 21% said that last year and most likely are going to be wrong. 21% said 2024, 13. If somebody, whoever is in this 2025 camp, if they get vindicated three years later, <laughs> that's an amazing call. Never is 10.8% last year and this year it was 7.1%. So that's it also never because there's a subtle difference between ne never and BCH will overtake BTC before ETH does. If you say never, that means you don't believe in the BCH flipping. Or yeah, that's what it means. If 
let me let me reason this through. Hang on a second. If you say BCH will overtake BTC before ETH does, that means you believe in the BCH flipping and you think ETH can't make it. If you say never, maybe you could still have a BCH. No, then you can't have a BCH flip because one of them has to do it first. And we're behind so anyway, Ethereum already. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, I think rise of the maxis. I'm I'm feeling like BCH maximalism on the rise, community happiness on the rise, and ETH ETH uh, defectors, ETH discontent. We need a call to arms going into 2024. Maximalists, let's go. <laughs> let's show everyone up. All right. Let's have this cool kid party. Yes, yes. BCH only. Okay. Next question. In 12 months' time, BTC Chain will have the following development changes live on mainnet. So this is a multi-choice, uh, not multiple choice. This is uh, tick boxes. So you could have answer multiple options. So it can add up to more than 100%. Some kind of change, removing, revoking ordinals, inscription somehow, 0%. Nobody voted for that. CTV also, 0%. Nobody believes in Polyd on Twitter. Okay, drive chains, BIP 300 and 301. One response, 2.3%. That was Paul. And <laughs> he came in. He was like, please, drive chains. <laughs> Any kind of other soft fork feature, which I put in quote mark, e.g. op fault, any priv out, etc. got four responses, 9.1%. Any kind of other hard fork retaining the BDC brand got 0%. I'm not surprised by that. Are you kidding? None of the above. Laser Eyes got that on lock. 47%, 21 responses. At least one camp will chain split onto their own coin. Five responses, 11.4%. Who cares? Seriously, came out the top, 22 responses, 50%. I don't know anything about this. I have no idea. 22.7%, 10 responses. So you can say roughly a quarter of people, I would assume, didn't tick any of the other boxes because they're like, I just this is over my head, right? So of the people that were left, probably more than two thirds said, I don't care. And they also said, are you kidding? The laser eyes got that unlocked. So strong sentiment that... Who really gives a shit about this drama? Maybe we should just cover a bit less of it on the show next year. I mean, it has been a fun circus to watch and it is relevant, but maybe maybe it's less relevant. <laughs> maybe so it's I'm part of the that. feedback loop that drives into the rise of the maxi, but the more people become maxi with BCH, the less they give a damn. Yeah, exactly. I think that's I think that's right. And then we've got here at least one camp will chain split onto their own coin. Five responses, eleven percent of people went for that. I was, I was tempted by that box, you know. I, I think I answered, I answered laser eyes. I've got it on lock, and who cares? That was that was my answer. But I think this chain split. I don't think we're going to see it. I can't, can't see it. I can't see the drive chain. Is the whole point is to retain the network effect. Drive chains can't go it alone. CTV, they can't go it alone. They're too small. The wizards. They've already got what they want unless they want to actually kick it up a gear, but they're happy to just feel like they're doing it when they're not. They're still irrelevant to governance. Who's gonna who's gonna chain split? I feel like it's more likely that you just get more defectors than a chain split. Yes, agreed. Or people leaving agreed. completely. Yeah. People would just get a bit salty and cheesed off. Yeah. 
this four four people said any kind of other soft fork feature op vault apo also i can't i i there's a part of me i understand the people who tick this box because it's the same as the chain split a part of my soul kind of wants it or feels that it could happen but i just really my head just says it's not gonna happen like ctv is the in my mind at least is the most closest to getting vaguely defined consensus and that's you know that's been in the works for years of vault and apo what that's like how is that gonna suddenly become a year is a long time but i just can't like given that these kind of things take somewhere between three and five years to cook yeah. <laughs> in the b2z community it seems that just seems too soon uh but yeah, it sounds like strong BCH maximalist representative and on the show over time, the amount of BTC coverage we do has been dropping until it will eventually get to none or close to none. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll take that as a bit of a signal and bring it on, bring it on less because yeah, who, whatever. Okay. Of the regular Bitcoin Cash podcast segments, I like the inclusion of, again, multi-tick uh, and guest intro and Bitcoin backstory, 39 answers, 90.7%. Price, 29 responses, 67.4%. Celine wallet update, 27, oh, 29 responses, 60, blah, I said that wrong. Okay, Celine wallet, 27 responses, 62.8%. Meme of the week, 34 responses, 79.1%. Community comment of the week, 34 responses, 79.1%. Message to the community, 38 responses, 88.4%. Thanks to contributors and shout-outs, 29 responses, 67.4%. And cut them all, let anarchy reign, three responses, 7%. So when it comes to this last section, let me just have a quick drink. So when it comes to this last section, cut them all, let anarchy reign, I put that in there kind of as a, a fun one, but I do get the sense in my mind that for instance, like with the Paul Stortz episode, we we did follow the slides a little bit, but because he's such a, a vague thinker, he's not the kind of guy to just follow the schedule. Or I, I really was just happy to explore his ideas. Like a lot of other podcasts, they don't they don't have slides, they don't have regular segments, they don't have any of this shit. They just say we got to talk to this guy, bring him on, and then boom, let's talk for two hours and just see where things go right i feel like that's kind of a different product to the actual podcast like i would like to do that we could do a separate series crypto interviews or i think there's such a crying out as well for a show called b chat somebody could make that which would be so cool and th that one i would like to do would be a call-in show people could just ring in give their take like hotline league for anybody who knows that Probably have you not. ever seen the shorts for the therapy gecko guy on youtube no oh okay this is such a stupid thing but it's infiltrated my head and i have to elaborate so there's this guy who dresses up in a, a frog suit paints himself green and he has a oh i've seen suit. this one time yeah yes we just need that guy to have a bitcoin cash costume just a big green coin or something there's the show just replace the the icon he doesn't even have to talk about cryptocurrency. Just that subtle imagery. Just there. Helping you. Right. Okay. 
Well, I, but I think, again, the community is not big enough to support it, right? Yeah. But like there's Hotline League, right, which is about North American League of Legends, right? This is one of my other nerdy little interests. And what they do is they do a two-hour weekly show with Travis Gafford and Mark Z, and Mark's like half checked out half the time. And they just get people right into the Discord and they give some uh, opinion, right? And then Mark looks at them and goes, okay, either it's if it's a, a, a good opinion that a lot of people want to hear because people can react, right? So if everybody like rocket emojis one take, then he gets that person on to give their take. Uh, and then there'll be like sort of a response or thoughts from the host, from Travis and Mark. And usually they have a guest as well too, right? So you're getting like the community's thoughts, but then also, you know, from some of the industry insiders and like a bit more balance, right? Somebody will come in with this stupidest take and they're like, no, behind the scenes, that's not how it works, right? Um, so it gets rocket emoji or if it's really controversial, if a lot of people like thumbs up and a lot of people like, you know, uh, like with that, that would be awesome. I would love to do a BCH version of that, you know, uh, like for instance, that we could get in a take about what what changes would happen in BDC and then just like we had a little discussion there you could have something like that but with a community member arguing their their side of it right uh so I think like something like that would be so fun but we're just not big enough the Bitcoin Cash community doesn't have enough going on for it to be supporting that I'd say yeah unfortunately I think it'd also be nice to have like a little more I think I was one of the votes for cut them all, let anarchy reign, to be honest. Which, I mean, I'm a little biased because my job then becomes like half of what it is right now. Like I don't have to <laughs> get any slides loaded up. I don't have to get any links. It's just we're chatting. Here's the Zoom call, essentially, right? But I I think it would be nice to be able to have more of a like, relaxed conversation and this will, I think, just happen with time. It won't be us. It'll be some other podcast where it's just a normal normal podcast. And then someone goes, oh, I went on this trip. I paid for the whole thing in Bitcoin cash. Let's cut to a clip or something. And it just shows a little piece of that. And then maybe that opens up a discussion. But it wouldn't be, I don't think cryptocurrency would be like the main focus of the podcast. I think it would just be something to show that the hosts are, you know, hip and cool and doing something Um uh, over time i i, I do think to, that'll happen shout out to casual bch there was a new episode of that from sayoshi nakamario and cheap lightning yeah sayoshi was used to he did like five or six episodes maybe seven with his with his wife which was cool but i think she was also just a bit less you know down the rabbit hole right yeah. and so then when he did this more recent one with cheap lightning i thought it was really good and that's exactly where and they just kind of went off on a tangent. It was just, what were they thinking about? And that kind of stream of consciousness style rather than the structured style of that. There's there's space for that, for, for them or for anybody else in the community to start that. I think now's a fantastic time if you want to do that because it can't all just be you and I <laughs> giving our thoughts, right? We want to diversify the discussion. And I think there's certainly enough demand for it. Uh, people to have their own takes or whatever. I would I would listen, so... Yeah, if you're interested in that. As for these other segments, uh, okay, so guest intro and Bitcoin backstory, everyone loves that. So we're going to keep that in and maybe I'll emphasize that a bit more. I have, over time, I have asked more and more of the guests of their personal story before we get into the sort of news items and so on. So maybe we'll keep we'll keep a bit of that rolling because people are really loving that. 
Uh, message to the community, also strong, and meme of the week and community comment of the week. They seem to get a good, good response to the thanks to contributors. I put this in there because I feel like it is, but that's kind of non-negotiable. <laughs> we do have to shout out the Flipstarter contributors. I did promise that. I could not promise that and then not do it, but that would be a bit dog. I think <laughs> they do make the whole thing possible. Uh, Price and Celine Wallet are the lowest ones. Celine Wallet, I've been doing that because I want I want the show to stay on track. Like it's not just theory. Global reserve currency. Here, here it is. We're delivering. Here's the engineering that's happening. But that said. It, maybe it is taking up time that people are like, look, we don't need, this is 10 minutes we could do without. And that update can be somewhere else. We've got Shadow Wizards kind of starting up. Maybe the Selene updates could go in there. Maybe we can have a Selene on the website. We can have a release notes section for people who care about that. I, You know, 62%, it's still more than half of the respondents, but it's kind of dropping into that territory of I'm like, maybe, maybe it needs to go. I think I might have argued this last year too, but I wouldn't worry about any of this. We timestamp everything. If there's a segment you don't like, open up the little description thing, click on the timestamp, move along. Well, it's there. there is that. But on the other hand, we only have two hours and you need to have a certain amount of signal to noise ratio. People are not going to regularly check in on a podcast to listen to their favorite couple seconds. I know people do do that. I have had people say that to me, but... I would be very hesitant about calling you know the wallet update for example noise like that is very positive progress i think and to highlight that is a good thing even if people don't consciously care about it just to be like oh there are things that are happening specific and exclusive to bitcoin cash by someone that's a community member and a voice of the community like i think that's all good even if people don't recognize it well, another thing though we could do is we could move we could move it back to the end, like that. Oh yeah, you know you could have it be okay. Let's just cover it off at the end, guys. Here's an update, and if by that time you don't really care, well, you just tune out. You just stop them because I know there is the timestamps, but I also know that when I listen on my podcast, app, if you're watching on YouTube, it's very easy to do. But if you're listening uh, the other way on those app, then the little slider bar it's a nightmare to try and get it to the right yeah. thing, and not all the players support the timestamps. So like we could, but the, the reason I like to have that at the start is because it makes people listen to it <laughs> and then they can, yeah. And they're hearing like, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening every week. It's not just something you just tuned out of. It's like, wait, we are actually putting up results. Yeah. Maybe so, I don't know. It'd be a good question to be like, if you could order the segments of the show in any way, how would you order it? Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do that next week or maybe... Maybe we can put a poll out in the Telegram or, yeah, do some other way. That's interesting. But, yeah, my my strategy as it is, is obviously start with the backstory because, you know, you need to know who you're listening to first uh, before you hear about their takes on anything else. So that seems like that has to be the number one thing. Then I put price at the start because, like I said, on episode 85, I think it's important people get used to the price is different, the price is different, the price is different every week, and that just tunes the amount of volatility being an issue. Also, it's super interesting Look, when you're listening to older episodes. That's such key context to have uh, when you're re-listening. And I feel like people, viewers are maybe underestimating that. 
maybe yeah. they're just listening to the show as it goes along. But once you go, if you go back and listen to an episode that's a year or, you know, a year and a half out of date to find out what was going on then or some topic or guest you're interested in, you like that price segment is, is super valuable. Um, and the price movement often ties into what's happening at the, like this week with AVAX, right? There's usually, or GBDC, there's always something that has usually explains it or triggers it. And that kind of becomes a little bonus topic. Then we have Celine. And then I put these other ones, meme of the week, community comment, message, and thanks. They're all sort of at the end because that's like the wind down. You know, the main chunk of it is in the middle, the news and the guest uh, topics and stuff. And then those ones are the more the fun ones at the end. Um, but yeah, everybody's loving those meme of the week and community comment of the week. So I must be doing a good job picking picking those i'd say all right well i guess we'll see celine wallet may be on the chopping block but if so we'd have to find another another outlet for it price i think that's going to stay <laughs> even if it's not super popular necessarily okay last question bitcoin cash will be the global reserve currency podcast definition or use your own if you prefer and a link to how i define it which is essentially six plus billion people using it as their primary medium of exchange 31 people 70.5 percent said yes 12 people 27.3 percent said unsure and one person said no 2.3 percent so relative to last year let's take a look because we did ask it last year Last year, it was only 50% of people said yes. This year, 70% said yes. Uh, and so the, the unsure category shrunk significantly, and the no category shrunk a little bit uh, from two to one. So the maximalism, I'm feeling it. <laughs> I'm really feeling it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the rise of the maximalist. Uh, kind of tempted to have that as the title of this at the like end of this on youtube yeah um rise the max life. that no is probably also paul <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, well this is where it's a bit of a self-fulfilling feedback loop right yeah if if the show grows a ton i would expect unsure to rise massively right that means we're getting loads of new listeners because it's unlikely that you would be a new listener to the show and then say yeah we're doing it we're going all the way like the the longer you've been listening to the show the more you've seen the community progress the more you've seen things moving in the right direction the more united everyone becomes the more convinced you would be the more you use bitcoin cash yourself yeah. right but it are we ever like maybe also we would have a ton of new listeners if no rocketed up because that would be like loads of people who were coming in from some other coin who weren't convinced and a video just, just posted on r slash bitcoin and they all start yeah, astroturfing yeah exactly but that will obviously be a good good sign when that happens yeah but this this is this is it 31 people said yes and i because i love this metric and i i hope we'll, obviously over time we'll see we'll see it grow so last year 20 people said yes this year 31 people said yes so a 50% jump in terms of people who went to the effort of listening to the show, going to the survey, filling it out, and clicking yes. If we can get enough people in the world to click that yes button, it, it's self-fulfilling. It will be the global reserve currency. 
if that number was you know 1 billion then that would be it 50% yeah. year over year growth not bad not bad so i'm i'm loving it i'm loving it bch maximus on the rise okay <laughs> that was all the questions then we had suggestions or comments uh we can't read through all this um because <clears throat> because we don't have time but we will take some of this on board. I wonder if maybe we can just uh, call out a couple of them uh, as we go along and maybe we can even post this up somewhere so that people can read if they're interested in all the feedback. Uh, somebody said in 12 months time, BTC chain will have RBF on by default for all transactions. That's true. I kind of left that out of that uh, other BTC question, but that's a good point. That's that's true. Although I already feel like that's kind of already ingrained. It's already 33% of the nodes. Peter Todd has got his way. They're just, their zero confirmation is screwed. Somebody said, needs more guests with a larger audience, even if unrelated to crypto. It feels like most of the guests are on Twitter and Telegram. This doesn't help to reach further and actually grow the user base. Yeah, like I see that, but also I kind of like that, right? My sense is that it's good that we're sourcing a lot of guests from within the community because that lets the community hear from itself. It's what I said last week about the network effect. You want to have a cool party going inside your network. That's what draws other people in. Obviously, there is also an element that you can cross-promote. You can go on other people's shows and that will bring people in. But the podcast is starting to get big enough that that's kicking in, like with Paul Stortz, right? He uh, said he would come on the show, but two years ago, he would have been like, this is too small to matter and I don't have a reason to, like, this is not even a legitimate thing, but he did. So I, we will try and mix in some more of those, but I want it to be kind of opportunistic, right? If somebody comes to me and says, "Can I?" like a couple of people wanted to be on the show that I was kind of like, yeah, maybe or no, even if they look like they've got a decent amount of clout because... I didn't think it was serving the users, serving the listeners, right? This needs to be for the Bitcoin Cash community and not for somebody else to come and shill their big, bigger project in return for them, you know, us getting some clout by them sharing it on their Twitter feed. But that's just my philosophy. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. But I think that could also be a fantastic opportunity to take these uh, dunking sessions and arguments out of the Twitter threads yeah. and into a real-life interaction where people aren't going to be as toxic. So I think highlighting how people actually react, because people made so many memes out of Roger when he was flipping people off and being like, yeah, stop calling it Bcash. And I don't think... Like, I <clears throat> I don't mean this with any kind of disrespect towards Roger, but I think that we can do a better job at navigating those waters. And I think being able to bring that to people's attention and say, like, listen, it's not just, uh, like, emotional emotional reaction. Like, we have a good reason to be here. We're comfortable being here. And we can have other people on to shill their shit and still be like, you're wrong. Here's why we're the best. Let's continue. And we have nothing to lose from it, realistically. I can understand the a concern about signal the noise thing, but we've got such a great catalog now. And I expect this to go for 
hundreds of episodes. I don't think, you know, uh, a less serious guest or, uh, yeah, I would, yeah, less serious guest every now and then would be detrimental or bad. And I think it could also make for some good clips. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we can definitely get, uh, yeah, some more people. Again, I, what I don't want to do is just have it be Jeremy destroys a laser eye Twitter user yeah. for two hours, you know, episode number 10, right? <laughs> like we've already had, we already had uh, Brian Harrington. We already had Esteban, Rare Passenger. Hey. Come on. If, you, if you're curious how that kind of thing goes down, check out those episodes. Now, those two guys are both more reasonable guys, actually. Uh, and they were both more into the whole Lightning Network thing. So they were a bit more amenable to it. But if you want to get a sense of how that kind of conversation goes that's that's more how it is and we have had recently a couple of laser eyes kind of say oh if you want to have me on the podcast like let's do it and then i reach out to them and then they find an excuse or they don't respond or whatever they kind of chicken out so like at some point hopefully i can find someone the right like it's it's a bit of a catch-22 because the most toxic you're wrong you're blah 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 those kind of people they don't really want to come on the show and right. they and that's for two reasons one just because i don't have time to deal with these shit coiners blah 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 but also too because kind of some part in the back of their mind knows wait a second this guy might just fucking roast me and then if it's, it turns into yeah like you said clips and all that, i'm being toxic on twitter well everybody knows that's what i do so nothing's really changed but any like stepping in the ring and getting wrecked is really not you know that's a that's a, even even people are so adamant on twitter <laughs> but you know in the lion's den on the pod like like even i was surprised really that the paul stortz thing um you know and that wasn't like some big dunk or anything like that but i think we did a pretty good job of showing that his arguments were kind of lacking credibility in a lot of areas and then the marcelo has reviewed it in spanish so that was good but I was kind of wondering if some BDC guys would pick up on that and make a few clips of Paul Stortz gets wrecked or even Paul Stortz talks to the shitcoiners. Nobody kind of jumped on that. I don't know what to make of that, really. Um, well, it was after. I mean, this might have happened anyway, but it seemed like it was after that podcast. Things were kind of starting to ramp up where they were like, oh, he's this is a psyop. He's a big blocker. Which uh, yes, hilarious to me, but use a clip from the episode. He was arguing with the big blockers like, yes, or maybe he, they couldn't use the show because that kind of proves. Well, strides end effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I don't know how many of them watched that or it wasn't like the show got a ton of extra views or anything. Although Paul did retweet, it did initially get a bit of extra circulation. But uh, anyway, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see about mixing up the guest variety a little bit. One thing I want to add on to this. Uh, yeah. Like, I would always love to see a comedian guest because those are the podcasts that I watch, right? But I think... Well, you got to find one of them. <laughs> Bring him on. You're funny. on here. <laughs> I, I think the... One of the biggest crossovers and one of the things that I think could benefit both kind of communities the most would be if we could get someone who is maybe a little more privacy oriented or a little more i want to say academically politically oriented and i mean that to say like not a political influencer i can't believe that that's even a class of like this status now 
Um, but someone that kind of has like their ear to that kind of thing. Like I think of Sal the Agorist or... Um, it might come on. He follows me on Twitter. We've talked sort of in passing-ish. He reuses my memes. <laughs> yeah. I make Whenever I... If I make a really good BCH meme, he'll then just uncredited rip it and put it on his feed, <laughs> which seems to be what he does with everyone's memes. So I'm not offended. And the idea gets out there, which is the yeah. main thing I'm trying to do. But I'm always kind of like... Bro, why don't you just retweet me? <laughs> like, uh, but uh, you know, however, that's obviously how he does it with all his other accounts and whatever. That's fine. Yeah, I think like getting some, uh, like I'm, I'm concerned. I think we'd have to tread water here. But even guests that are a little more involved, but still kind of like more mainstream. Like, if we could get someone that was like Blair White or someone that would be maybe the le- maybe um like shoe on head i would say is more of the left style equivalent although what is the likelihood of those people being as politically entrenched as they are and also interested in cryptocurrency but not mentioning it publicly as like a potential solution to the problems so a lot of steps to get to that point but i would like to i think that would be very good for everyone well it will become a self-fulfilling thing yet again like everything it's all feedback loops as BCH grows, I mean, crypto is all, all, already growing. And yeah. did you know, I didn't even know, Tim Dillon was at Bitcoin Miami. Yeah, yeah. I called everyone a cult. I love that. Yes. I love that so much. I didn't even know that that happened. And, uh, <laughs> but I went back and watched it and it was so obvious. The homeless people are going to come in here. <laughs> yeah. That he was there because a comedian is such a funny lens to view because they've got to be funny, but the comedy is about the truth, yeah. right? So if he'd come in and Bitcoin had been crushing it and it had all been really cool, then he probably he would have done it the other way around. He would have made jokes like, look at all these fiat noobs that are missing out on the revolution. Like, can you believe they're like in the Stone Age? Or, you know, he would have done it that way. But he did it the other way around. He did it. He's like, you're all in a cult. I tried talking sense to you and nobody's fucking listening. Haha, you're all going to be totally unrelatable to the average person. Yeah. What am I even fucking doing here? That was his bit. Yeah. Oh, don't shoot me. I remember him being like, I'm scared of the like Yes. And then I think it was like two months after that, he released this uh like a uh, skit trailer thing called The Wallet. And it was like him and his half brother or something, their father passed away. And he's like, We need to get into this fucking laptop. We need the password. Oh, Tell me what's the password? It's like smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff I think did so much more for the culture of cryptocurrency. Like the fact it- I would also love to know that Tim Dillon actually cares, like to know that he is smart enough to navigate the waters, but didn't fall for the bullshit and still make more people interested about it. And kind of that self-criticism and poking at the whole space. Fantastic. I think we need so much more of that. Yeah, but it will become like I was saying, it, it, it will sort of get to a point where because the political people or the comedians, they're just on the vibe of like, it's like Joey Diaz, the church of what's happening now, yeah. right? So crypto is always rising in the discussion. So that will get in there. But at some point, BCH will be the biggest, trendiest, most topicalist part of crypto. It already is in the BTC camp. We're seeing that now with the whole drive chains thing. Fuck, I didn't put a segment in about it, but maybe we should do that. Like, I don't know if we have we have time. Maybe we can pull it up now. If you want to okay, I, I do have somewhere to be in about uh, an hour, but... Maybe we can uh, put it up in a second. There was the Baltic Honey Badger Conference uh, where 
the discussion that they had on this last panel it was the r- last one at the very end was unpopular opinions on crypto or unpopular opinions is this, and is this when peter todd was like it'd make more sense to raise the block yeah, that. yeah okay yes so there was an, a whole bunch of stuff is in there where it's john carvalho and the bit refill guy whatever his name is Ser- sergey who were trying to be like the big blockers but they're still sort of laser eyes and stuck in BDC land somehow. And they're still trying to make merchant adoption work and still trying to say layer one, let's do transactions. And still like, I don't know how they're so dumb that they haven't figured out that they're just on the wrong side of the fence. But anyway, they're still in there, still coping, etc. And uh, then there's also Peter Todd, who is basically trying to FUD drive chains. So how he's doing that is saying like, well, Drive chains is being pitched as a scaling solution, which it is in part. So if we want to do scaling solution, we should just do bigger blocks. And then obviously he has to he has to tread carefully because he can't say bigger blocks is better. So he's just saying, like, the lesser of two evils is bigger blocks. Drive chains are really bad. Why? Because now all the BCH people are out of there. So he doesn't need to paint us as the biggest evil because we're not interfering with the carefully constructed narrative, you know? But he needs to make drive chains the new bad guys because they're they're in the local discussion, right? So there's that. And then there's a bit of joking about haha, like the block size war, like we're still talking about it six years later. Anyway, let's let's actually just pull up that clip uh in a minute. I want to finish the rest of this feedback first yep. and then we can have a bit of a look at that. Okay. Um Right. I would love to hear you and Chet, C-H-E-T. People have no idea what your name is, dude. It's Jet, E-T-T. But yeah, I've said Whatever people works. say Jet. People can face Jet. Jet. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. I have a segment each podcast after the guest part is finished where you two talk about anything related to the flippening. Interesting. Flippening watch. Would that be a good segment? I feel like, that could be like everything in the show is related to that. Right? It could also be like a two-minute video with like a lower third newscast style thing. Dun dun dun! Today on the flippening watch. Yeah, exactly. But I don't, I don't know what we what we would say in that segment because either in the show we're already talking about stuff BCH has done, which is about the flippening, the price going up, which is about the flippening, Celine Wall getting adoption, which is the flippening. You've got like it's, the flippening is not uh, some thing that we could do it's it's always it's always go every single day we're getting closer to the flippening what if it's just so, like that um family guy scene where he's like now checking in with the weather how's the weather like ollie it's raining outside what if it's just like <laughs> that but it's like just the ratio of btc and bch closer to but the we flippening. have that in the prize yeah i know we, just a two second version of it. okay i don't know i'll think about it but i don't really see what our updated opinions on how it's going. I feel like I'd already sort of weave it in. If you listen to the show enough, you'll hear me reference it or talk about it enough times. Yeah, I think we can I don't know. assume too. Like considering. It's just getting closer there all the time. I'm not worried about yeah. it. Yeah, it's on It's on the way. Yeah. Uh, a segment about the false technical narratives that get flung at PCH online. I th- See, that's the kind of thing where it's hard for me to know what things we should make a segment. Something has to be very important to get a segment. If it's on going to be on every show, firstly, there's only so many segments we can get in, and that cuts into time that we can talk about the regular news and with the guest, right? So we can't have too many different segments. But on the other hand, like something like that, dispelling false technical narratives, maybe we should just do one episode where we just cut into that, we pick the top five, 
we debunk them all, boom, they're all there, right? Similar thing with people say like, oh, what? why don't we have a section called practical onboarding tips or for a while we were doing merchant of the week, like that kind of thing. It's it, it's a need. It's people do want that information, but the a segment isn't the right way to do it because it ends up just spread around in a lot of episodes that it just dilutes things. Whereas if we just do one episode, focus on, on that, and then you know there's two hours of that in one episode rather than five minutes in twenty episodes. It's just a yeah. lot better because the people who don't care skip it, and the people who do care don't have to wait around to find all the different info. Uh, but that's worth saying, like, maybe we should put a a um, a note in the backlog for an episode on refuting technical bullshit. Uh, also, if you're asking about that, you should check out Mark Falzon. He has his series Downvote, where he finds just stupid crypto takes, mostly from Bitcoin maximalists. And in a very comedic, funny way, <laughs> tears them apart. So you might you might be looking for something like that. Downvote by Mark Falzon. If you go on his Twitter, you can figure it out. Weekly reminder of resources of where to get involved. We already do that. I talk about BitcoinCashPodcast.com at the end of every single show. Maybe I need to put it at the start. But again, the reason I don't is because the regular listeners already know and just Putting it in the start is like, we, you need the show. You need to not be told to go listen to somewhere else. You're already listening to it. This is it right now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Start out like the way Dan Patrick does the 30 seconds of soccer in the US. Okay, I'll need to look into that. I don't know. What's that really like? Never even heard of the dude before, so... Some people have suggested some other different guests we could have. Um highlight the most improved locations of bch adoption like we already do that yeah sort of in the show an annual saying how about a question of the week well that's kind of why we have community comment of the week but i'm happy to do a question of the week but where would it come from you know if like if there was a thread on twitter i could make where i said what's your question of the week and just people could write in or on telegram or on something like that. And maybe we'd pick, pick the most interesting question and answer it. Could they be. do that the same way we do with the, the, like you mentioned the discord thing, people just do a thumbs up emoji or something. And we select the one with the most emojis. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's worth giving that a bit of a try. Let me just make a couple of notes here. Okay. So, Question of the week could do that. Uh, maybe cut the Celine, may or move the Celine segment. Uh, then we've got what more more different guests. I shot them every now they good. Uh, blah blah blah. Yeah yeah yeah. More. Uh, thanks thanks by the way to everybody who said like you're doing great. You're loving the show. There's a bunch of comments like that. It's really great to hear. Maybe we could do a one off with somebody from Thorchain. Uh, well. Thorchain, <laughs> what's his name? Joel Valenzuela. He is always shilling Thorchain as the world's best thing and BCH needs to be on Thorchain and we're missing out on the DeFi ecosystem and blah, 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 blah. And he loves Thorchain. Now, I don't really like Thorchain. I like the idea of it. It sounds cool, okay? Non-custodial P2P swaps, blah, blah, blah. Sounds great. But I'm not convinced that it's really 
all that because when I looked into it, I was like, firstly, they have their own token. So they're trying to just shill and pump that somehow in there, right? I don't know why they need their own token. Somehow they do. Secondly, you have something like SideShift, which is already set, it's centralized, but it basically serves the same function. And there's about five alternatives to that. So a DeFi alternative to that is good in theory, but in practice, I don't really see how it's better. It's more just like it's got DeFi in there because DeFi rather than because it's actually DeFi makes it better. Yeah. I've got that. And thirdly, you have the Thor chain people are out there causing grief for the Bitcoin Cash community where they said that we had like bugs in our node software as an excuse for why they couldn't make do something or whatever. And then it turned out later to be complete FUD and yeah. just that they had uh, fucked up on their end. And then they never walked it back or apologized or said anything like, so when you see that kind of thing going down, I mean, obviously take the higher road is one strategy, but when, when you have that happen, I'm just like, all right, maybe these are people, if we're not as involved in their, pro that's good. <laughs> Once they blow up or have their own failures or problems, like let's just not be involved in it really. I don't I've, know. Have you used ThorChain? No, never even gone to the website. Like I have no care to swap for something else it's yeah. just not in my life i don't care i earn bch i spend bch everything else is just accruing fees for no reason yeah yeah so i mean it touches on a bit of a broader topic which is that this whole thor swap uh thing it kind of cuts to the theme of, of everything we're talking about today is i think BCH maximalism needs to be on the rise. It already is. And yeah. BCH has always been a strongly maximalist coin. But the more maximalism you do, the better. As long as you're not toxic. Okay, we've been over that a hundred times. But because uh, it's like when, if you have a community that has a lot of sort of non-maximalist projects in it, you're introducing systemic risk. Like the classic examples of this, things like Dash, eCash, Litecoin, they don't have their own wallets. They don't, or they do, but maybe they have one. And then otherwise they get integrated into other multi-coin wallets. They have projects that are kind of supporting Dash, but also Litecoin, but also BCH and a lot of things like that. And sooner or later, those projects fall apart or the community says, we're going to stop supporting this coin or whatever. Yeah. You, you want people who are all in because then those things are not only the most valuable to the community, but they become a reason for people to join BCH. Why should they be in BCH instead of Litecoin? Because we have BCH bull. Can't get that on Litecoin. Just doesn't exist. We have Selene wallet. Can't get that on Litecoin. Just doesn't exist. We have Cash Rain. Can't get that on Litecoin. Just doesn't exist. Got the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Okay, you got LC Underground, but that's not, you know, <laughs> that's lame, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> you've got every single thing. You want the maximalist things and the maximalist things build network effect with each other, right? What am I shilling on this show to all the BCH adopters? Things like BCH Bull and Celine Wallet and, uh, you know, BCH Gurus, another classic example. Can you get that? No, they're not multi-chain. They're not another thing. And what are those, those projects are the most reliable. They keep delivering value. And the more people we get in the scene, the network effect just explodes. Whereas if you're trying to be too nice to everyone else, what do they think? Are we trying to, um, what do you call it? What's the opposite of not hurting their feelings? Like trying to placate their feelings. Yeah. Like Joel, his argument is 
well, people like ThorSwap or BitRefill, you should just be nice to them and communicate with them and then they'll add BCH and then you'll be a part of it and other people will find your coin. Fuck that, man. Seriously. That's just the wrong way to go about it. Like his, that's, that's, there is, every coin is maximalist, right? There is no non-maximalist coin because there, if there was, there would be nobody to run it. The people who actually run and build a community are the ones who are like, this is the way we're doing it. Fuck the competitors. And we're going to just outcompete them on the free market, right? I got to run to the washroom again. You want to keep reading? These? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll just do a couple more winning at the end. Um, all right. People are doing super great, blah, blah. Uh, more devs joining the discussion. That's something we can do. Uh, it's like anything. We can do some uh dev episodes but we can't have every episode be a dev episode and this show certainly is already plenty technical uh we did have obviously the jason dreisner episode recently the show needs to just have a mix it needs to be some devs some marketers some nft projects and artists some stuff like this where it's just us talking so we're doing a little bit of everything somebody said penis there you go going to say it live on stream and by far bch the top token in the bitcoin cash podcast my favorite show brilliant so thank you very much everybody who wrote in with a suggestion comment question i've made some notes hopefully found all those survey questions interesting and we will be able to compare them to next year in september 2024 i'm sure it'll come around faster than any of us think okay we don't have jet here but i've got the other topics to bring up so community comment of the week is from joe Carlasare, who said on my way to the airport my driver says have you heard about bitcoin cash it's like bitcoin but faster and better. I'm all in. I remain silent and part of me dies. So Joe <laughs> discovered <laughs> that actually Bitcoin Cash is winning over hearts and minds. The average person is getting the message. And it's been such a long slog for the Bitcoin Cash community to make progress against the brand name because for so long the whole thing bch bcash it's just a scam it's just bitcoin but worse blah 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 it's been an absolute uphill mountain but we are getting there like joe calzare he's he's found that out <laughs> he has fucked around and found out and i think the most telling part of this story is not only that his airport Uber driver was loving Bitcoin Cash, but I remain silent and part of me dies. That's the sound of defeat. He didn't even try to argue or say that it was a scam or blah, 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 because the guy's already sold. He already knows Bitcoin Cash is faster and better. What's Joe going to say? No, it's slower. The guy's going to be like, no, it isn't. I tried them both. Bitcoin Cash is better. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it's just a case of these maximalist people are just going to discover 
like that the the room has moved the room is silent it's the extremists that are making a lot of noise but the consensus in the room just shifts until one day the extremists who were previously talking to a receptive audience suddenly discover they're talking to a brick wall and they don't know how it happened because they were too busy making noise to read the room that's kind of what i get out of this i loved this tweet i loved the responses to it also on the btc side because it didn't there was no substance it was just like haha there's a reason he's uh just driving vehicles or something like that it's like yeah okay there's someone on the ground that's actually like yeah i use this thing i'm all in that's the most costly thing you can do whatever it just like it was good to see like i think we had on the not the last episode the one with cypher cat where it's like these are the moments where it feels like we've already won yes yeah and that's it and in the responses all the bch people are jumping in there saying yeah no shit and then the BDC people had like a no response. Like Lynn Alden, <laughs> she came in and did a gif of Justin Timberlake looking kind of like, Ugh, I saw your response kind of a, to that. Kind of a look. And uh, yeah, what my, my response was I said to her, Hey, Lynn, have you used Bitcoin Cash yet? Because she had said one year ago, uh, she said Bitcoin Cash in May the 24th, 20, so nearly, you know, 15 months ago. She said, Bitcoin Cash is too slow. The Lightning Network makes it obsolete, blah, blah. And so I said to her, have you ever tried BCH, Lynn? And she didn't reply to that, right? And now I just hit her with it again this time. Have you used Like She's got a gift. She's a smart, intelligent, open-minded lady. Like she should think, why is it? Why does this keep coming up? Yeah. This gift is not a logical response. It's like... There must be a reason that this is happening. I need to look into it. But she clearly hasn't done that research. She's still in the still in the cult. And they just will be until one day. Like they like the truth, the truth speaks louder than anything. That's really what it is. Is uh we just say Bitcoin Cash is fast. They say it's not. And over time, eventually people try Bitcoin Cash and they just, it's fast and it works. Yeah. And then suddenly it's clear to them. It's like Okay, well, these guys are not the loudest voices, but they're correct. And then once you're over that bridge, you you never go backwards. You just see all this gifts and denigrations as irrelevant, right? Yeah. Anyway, they they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna learn any faster than see one guy said plot twist, the cab driver was Roger Veer. Like, what this is such cope. It's such cope. How how is Roger Veer the cause and reason of everything that ever happens in BCH? Yeah. It's entire what is he? Like a superhuman? You know, it's like how do their minds not realize this has, random story? What? Has Roger done anything publicly like promoting Bitcoin Cash in the past year? Aside He's from done tweets. A, one interview. He did one interview, maybe. Yeah. That's it. Why is and I he guess still... he was at St. Kitts. Yeah, that was a year ago now, right? Like, Just about, yeah. Yeah, 10 months. I don't understand how he's still in their heads. Well, because they're stuck. They have a, an avatar in their mind that they've created of Bitcoin Cash. And six years of time, it has not updated. Yeah. that's they. A lot of them, when you talk to them as well, they, they don't know that BSV and BCH are different. 
they know that there's those two words. Like they can bring up those two words, like all these shit coins, like BCH and BSV. And then they say, you and BCH and your Giga Megs, how's Calvin Air doing or something? And you're like, what? That was that was years ago, mate. And then they don't, yeah. and they say, it's all the same. And you say, well, it was different enough that they split into two entire coins. Okay. It's clearly not the same. But then, no, no, it's just all shit going. Like you can't, can't bring any logical reason into that discussion. Anyway, this is just another we've already won moment. Um, Hoorah. So, yeah, love that. Okay, meme of the week. <laughs> I've got a little video here that you can pull up from Autism Capital, which is a hilarious uh, <laughs> little account that just has crypto takes and non-politically correct stuff. It's really funny. Okay, give me a Hopefully minute. Uh... Jet can play it for everybody. Yep. pretty good so the caption is never forget the bull run and it's this meme of these three guys in this apartment somewhere <laughs> it's obviously just like one of their houses or something like yeah where they live. i know this was like a david dobrik video the dude in the middle that's josh peck from drake and josh oh okay yeah this, this was part of like a skip oh okay all right but i'd seen this this gif had come out in the bull run and so now this guy's like bringing it back i don't know who was made for that but it's elmo you know uh elmo puppet doing drugs and messing around with these guys and flying off the chandelier and then uh maybe putting a gun in his mouth and then they push him off the, they push him off the, the balcony and like to his death maybe or into the pool it's pretty dark humor but it <laughs> It's pretty funny. It's just like once things are going crazy, they are pretty crazy. And just, yeah, I just saw this again today. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, that dude on the left, his name is Jason Nash. He was in Reno 911, FML, a movie called Married. And then there's Josh Peck, who was on Drake and Josh. And the dude on the left, his name's Dom. I'm pretty sure he's in like jail or something. Okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe this all became a bit real for him. This skit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we also just said we would talk a little bit about this Baltic honey badger thing. I'm just keeping an eye on the time because I do have to go. But I think we've got 20 minutes. Yeah. So maybe if you can pull that up. Let me just quickly find the timestamp. But if you look up Baltic honey badger day two stream on YouTube, it's about an eight hour video. The full thing it's the last panel oh i should unmute it coin would be a better idea than drive chains uh, did i hear you correctly increasing walk size would be a better idea than drive chains for the purpose of in of increasing the block size okay so does that uh, does that take us into block size wars 2.0 well, you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay for there is a version of drive chains advocacy that says we're gonna do this to go scale bitcoin and what that advocacy really is, is we're going to do this so we can increase the block size without increasing the block size. And that way of increasing the block size, allowing more transactions per second, it's far more technically complex and in particular much more politically complex than just increasing the block size. 
in a way, Peter's jokes is a little bit uh, is a little bit like Paul Stark move. Uh, the blockstream version of miner based SPV fraud proof based uh, blo- uh, sidechain was so complex, and it trusted miners anyway. So Paul said, "Let's just do something more obvious, which does the same thing, trusting miners." And Peter says, "Okay, that will create basically a block size increase." Uh, at this point, you could basically just increase the blocks. So uh, I think that uh, it was Adam maybe today in another panel saying that eventually, in some years, the uh, long tail, social long tail of the uh, block size war will basically begin to evaporate and we will be able maybe to discuss uh, block size limit again a little bit. Uh, for example, some, uh, most of the people disagree with the gigamac uh, uh, idiocy of, uh, of big blockers, but some more nuanced takes about, uh, I remember uh, Rosie Manningfield proposing elastic uh, block size uh, based on minimum fees. There were some proposals that were not completely retarded. So maybe some people will start discussing them again, but the principle of uh, uh, of not creating bad precedents of uh, minorities, uh, organized minorities taking over the rules for everybody, and the principle of keeping the network rules reliable, predictable, uh, honest, uh, backward compatibles, that's, that's really the point of the four quarters, even more the block size. I think that many participants of the block size will not be opposed to, actually, most of the people People agreed to go to basically four megabytes uh, with SegWit. So most of the people were not really small blockers. They were like, do not change Bitcoin, especially under the false pretense of some kind of emergency, if we don't have the buy-in of all the economy with, for certain reason, predictable times, and with after uh, after a lot of thinking and testing and discussing. Of course, also, I mean, you... thank you. Uh, you, you, you shouldn't apply. That means I'm popular and I'm losing here. Yeah, that was not unpopular. Oscar, remember, like, a four, you know, SegWit was basically Forex block size increase. Forex is not very big. I mean, in, you know, in a system like Bitcoin, you would expect to have safety margins. You know, you would expect the engineering to work still if the block size was like 10x bigger because you want to have a 10x safety margin on all this stuff. I mean, this is, you know, near, like, what, half a trillion dollars worth of value right now? You want big safety margins on this. And the thing with drive chains is you get that safety, like, look at this way. Could you go and run your node with maybe a 10x bigger hard drive? How much more would that really cost you versus now being distracted by a whole bunch of bullshit political crap about doing UASFs to go and save people's funds? The latter occupies much more value in terms of your time, your attention, than a slightly more expensive computer. That's the real issue here. And it's easier to hijack politically. It's like Much when, easier. Uh, when, when shitcoiners debate uh, uh, weak subjectivity. Like uh, e- even if your node doesn't know the right uh, sequence of transaction, y- if it's slow enough, you will just, just go on Twitter and make it out socially. But that's actually the part which is easier to manipulate. You can have uh, any kind of gatekeeper of the social discussion can easily create a campaign in which you think, if you read, uh, you know how the block size wars ended, but if you read the Reddit during the peak of the block size wars, everybody was a super gigamega big blocker. It was just completely derailed. So uh, uh, moving 
the uh, the consensus from the automati uh, from the automatism of my node to some kind of social awareness that will magically spread around is very risky because it makes Bitcoin highly susceptible to politics. Don't forget you're susceptible to legal too. I mean, right now I have two lawsuits against me from Craig Wright, and one of them is to go recover his allegedly stolen coins. And that is precisely the kind of legal action that you could expect when you go have people losing coins on drive chains that go fail, and you could easily have miners being sued. Hey, you failed to go and mine the right side of that fork effectively. You failed to prevent the theft happening. You have a duty of care to go and like run this sidechain client to go and validate those rules to make sure that fork didn't happen. You know, you were being negligent by not running that code. Oh, you're a small miner? Oh, you just run like P2 pool or something? Well, I mean, you're being very irresponsible here. Why don't you go mine at a proper pool that can afford to go and do its job? Like, we don't want that. So we all agree, basically, why we should have just put Peter between Sergey and John and talk about zero confirmation <laughs> and RBF. Uh, we, we messed up. How, how about, uh, since we keep talking so much about the block size war, yeah, and uh, there's been, uh, what, six years now. It would be interesting to discuss the, the review and sort of uh, in hindsight to see, you know, yeah, which uh, which arguments were, were presented by each side and like uh, uh, hindsight bias. Like there, there are a few that the big blockers uh, uh, got, got right. Uh, you know, I, I haven't changed my opinion on the subject, but. But some arguments ended up uh, being true in retrospect. The problem is they hung everything on a hard fork. That was the problem. You couldn't have a conversation where, where there, we don't have any technology or any research where we can confidently do right, the transfer of value. Where Paul, uh, I mean, Peter says, uh, let's do a hard fork, right? Yeah, that's, that's about enough. Fantastic. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you have it all right there. You can hear it. This is all from the most laser eye of laser eyes right there. One by one by one, right down the line, right? Big blocks is better than drive chains. Everybody on Reddit was a big blocker. It was everywhere. That's it. That's admitting that the yeah. community wanted the uh, big, big blocks and then they got uh, censored and taken over. You've got the huge amount of cope as to, well, one day in a few years, maybe we'll be at a good enough point. They're just being gaslit to eternity. You know, six years ago, it was maybe one day bigger blocks will be relevant. And now they're saying, yeah, well, we're a few years away still. They're going to be a few years away forever. That's the whole That's the whole point. And then you have Peter Todd saying, well, it was basically four megabyte increase which as we've talked about before at the time nobody said that it was not a block size increase that's evil that's bad it's just a small fix uh it only has now been later rewritten to be a four megabyte increase supposedly even though you can't even fit four megabytes of transactions in there that's a complete scam then he says it's not even that much we could do 10x as much <laughs> you know what if we had 40 megabyte blocks well look at bch with 32 megabyte blocks no, no shit. That's what we've been doing, right? But now Peter Todd is now subtly playing for Team BCH because he needs to make the drive chainers look bad and like the risky, irresponsible ones. So now suddenly the Overton window, a little bit of big blocks can be mixed in there until he's got until he's uh, defeated the the drive chainers, and then he'll go back to how terrible big blocks is, right? Uh, so there's that. Then you've got, I just love it as well too. You've got John Carvalho deep in the cope. Oh, they did a hard fork. That was evil. But here he is on a panel full of people who 
uh, you know, he spends all day raging about on Twitter, the plebs and why can't we just, you know, uh, improve things? Why do they have so much cope? And then you got that other guy who's saying, well, we're hearing a lot about like big blocks. Maybe that's true. And then Peter's like, ha let's do it hard fork. Got it. Got, I mean, they were out of time, but on the other hand, like Peter's like, he's a master of debate and conversation. He was like, quick, get a joke in here and just shut down this line of questioning before it goes on for another, another 30 seconds. So I'd like, you really can't say any more than that. Can you? No, that is amazing. We could just. I mean, if it didn't take up 10 minutes of the podcast, that could be the whole intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The B catches were right. Uh, dunk, dunk section. Uh, and that's not even all of it, to be honest. There's another 10 minutes before that where they're talking. It's the same thing. They're talking, they're talking a bit more about drive chains, but it's, it's basically, it's basically more of the same where they're saying like drive chains is really risky. Big blocks is simple fixes the problem, scalability is what we need, et cetera. So anybody can go and listen to that and, and check it for themselves. But that's that's where the stage of the narrative is at, right? The B2C people, like the, it's collapsed. Think about all the people in the audience listening to this, thinking maybe, maybe I need to go find out what the, I've been hearing about these evil big blockers for years do they have something what what are they talking about like <laughs> but yeah i i don't know i think in another and it's what paul said to us as well too when we talked to him he said oh what you're hoping for is that the crowd is starting to think yeah i don't know about this while the people on stage are just out of the loop and that's that's literally exactly what we're seeing and those same laser eye the whole oh we won the block size war and all the lessons they learned because they didn't they just dismiss all the censorship and yeah. all of that. So they have their version of events that showed that the node runners won and they're in this confused state of, well, we can do upgrades, but we're not really sure when or how. And it's just it's just a confused mess. If you were an enemy of Bitcoin, this is exactly what you want. Everybody to just be in a disorganized one day in years away will consider scaling circumstance. They've been that way for six years. They still will be six years and or until we hit the flipping and then they'll just be irrelevant but the narrative is shifting in our favor and ridiculously like it seems like they're a feeling of like necessity like it doesn't seem like they're pushing as hard no they don't worry everyone's just comfortable it's like yeah, the BBDCs are here, bitch. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was talking to one of these laser eyes on Twitter the other day. They have no urgency, right? The guy was saying, oh, in uh, in this guy I was talking to, unrelated, but it was a similar vibe where he was saying, oh, Bitcoin's going to take over in the next 20 years. It's going to be for generations. So we've got to be slow and conservative about it. And I said, mate, that's like being 20 years old and say, I'm going to be in the NBA in 20 years. No, you're not. You got if you're going to be in the NBA, you better already be on a college team. You already better be making some inroads. You better already be dedicating your life to it. Because if you're not in the NBA in five years, that's it. The game's moved on. Somebody else is going to be in there winning trophies, and you're going to be old and irrelevant. And that's like they they don't have any sense of urgency. They've truly drunk the Kool Aid of Bitcoin is going to be the global reserve currency, like we talk about. But it's it's already established. All we need to do is just let it sit. Lindy will take over. The world will come to appreciate our brilliance, and 
in time, everything will work itself out when like people are not adopting it today. They're already have routed around it to all these other chains, all these other podcasts, all this other info, all this other technology. Yeah. They just don't even realize that they're so far behind. They're six years behind BCH and they're saying in a few years, maybe we'll talk about a block size increase. Yeah. And like, okay, when things evolve, they're not backwards compatible. Yes. You either get the new gene and thrive or you die off. Yes. Why is there so much, like, I, uh, whatever. We've been through this debate before, soft fork versus hard fork. I just don't, I have not once ever been persuaded even slightly that a soft fork makes more sense than a hard fork, uh, at Get least me. in this context. So, I don't know. I'm, it still bothers me. I'm, I'm trying to get over it. I shouldn't even brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good. It was good that we had this uh, had this clip on the show for historical purposes. Yeah, people can just go back and just see what what a mess it is and what a state it was in. But uh, I guess it all really cuts to what we talked about in this in the show. So maybe this is a good way to go then on to message the community. Our last segment. Uh, well. It feels to me from those podcast results, BCH maximalism is on the rise. People in BCH are feeling good about things. We've got everything we need right here. Plenty of work to do, but we can get it done. This other coin's a bit less relevant. And I don't want the community to be insular. I don't want everybody to be not paying attention. We should be. It's good if people are in other communities, other coins, because then they see ideas there and they bring them and they say, hey, guys, have you seen they're doing this? Why don't we do something like that? That's really important, really healthy. We need a lot of that. But at the same time, it's got to be BCH and BCH only. If we're, if we're trailblazing, if we're leading the leading the pack, that's how you got to do it. You can't be looking around to the left and right because other coins are just, they're, they're in your you know exhaust. They're, they're backwards, like looking back is going to slow you down you need to keep focused on the future and moving forward and it sounds like the community is starting to align on that and the key thing is once you hit a critical mass of maximus you just become unstoppable because they're the ones who work the hardest day in and day out building the community and it's also a united message they're just shilling one thing you're not getting distracted with 50 other oh check out this check out this. it's just bitcoin cash come check out bitcoin cash it's right here I was telling you two years ago, Bitcoin Cash. Now the price is pumped. Bitcoin Cash. Your taxi driver, he's heard about Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin. Cash. It's just um, relentless. You know that's that's uh, that's how it should be, right? Yeah. <clears throat> oh my god. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. So I guess that's it. That's our message to the community: be relentless. And that that was one of the things I I said on my. Uh, Twitter feed on my personal Twitter feed, but it was kind of inspired by some of this BCH uh, stuff was one way to win an argument is to address objections until they run out. <laughs> right. And that's not to say like, you can't, you can't bully somebody into believing your perspective, right? You can't just shout them down or anything like that. But if you're having a reasonable discussion with somebody, people usually to some idea or something, they have a certain number of object objections, right? They're, oh, well, what about this? What about that? What about that? If you can address every single one of them, eventually, at some point, they just run out and they just go, yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. And that's that might even take, that might not even be a daily thing. That might be over years or over however long it takes, right? 
But once you have every single angle covered, at a certain point, people who are willing to engage in good faith, they just run out of arguments. And there's still plenty of arguments against BCH, so it's not like it's going to happen overnight. But like the people who are like, well, the price is down and the price is always going down. Well, in the last year, it's up against BDC. Yeah. Maybe that's not enough, but maybe the year after or the year after that we're up and we're up, then what's your objection? People with the hash rate, well, at a certain point, we'll get past 50%, then the hash rate, that won't be an argument. What have, you know, or no coiners, what about the law or what about this? Or what about that? Sooner or later, just as long as we just keep working away, wherever there's a real problem, we just fix it. Sooner or later, we've just fixed everything. And the only thing left is I don't like it, which eventually just becomes I'm the only one who doesn't like it and everybody else has moved on. So, yeah, I, I feel we're winning. We're winning. This is it. Two years ago on this show, what we hear saying we're going to be. We're going to be winning. The good times are coming, guys. The narrative, we'll just plug away and we'll we'll get that. That's it. I don't know any more solid proof that we could provide. As much as I support the Be Relentless, also just average viewer, average listener, have a structure, right? Don't go, don't relentless, relentlessly just chill. Like have a good intention behind it, right? Uh, and if you're debating... Real useful format, point proof explanation. You don't need to get into like logical fallacies and name calling and that kind of thing. I think enough of that over time. That's where the relentless really pays off. Yeah, it's not about one person. Otherwise, it's just bullying. If they're not going to be convinced, they're not going to be convinced. Yeah. But if they've run out of logical arguments, say, okay, well, time will tell and move on. And then just relentless on the next person, the next person, the next person. And wherever they turn up real objections, like, what about volatility? That's a real concern. Hey, check out BCH bull. Here it is. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then maybe they say, mm, I'm not so, like I did that to somebody. And then they said, oh, no, I'm not so interested in that or something like that. And it's like, okay, so you had an objection and I addressed it. And now you've moved on to, you know, you've just moved the goalpost. That's fine. But that means that problem is solved. There's yeah. no other logical argument. Otherwise, you would have brought it up. So that's kind of what we need to be doing. Just working and improving in ourselves, building our own network graph stronger and stronger and before you know it uh what's going to happen is it's not going to be that there's going to be a moment well there might be at some point where these baltic honey badger guys are saying shit maybe the b caches were right that well they already fucking said that he already said well there was a few points yeah. there was a few points they made that were right <laughs> uh but they there will be a capitulation point of like just the b caches were right but that capitulation won't take the form of that discussion on that stage it will just be those people rock up at the next BCH conference and they want to be a part of it. That's it. That's game over. That's it. We've lost. Uh, and if it's not those people, it will be the people in the crowd, the people in the audience who are uh, who are doing that. Okay, supporter appreciation. Thank you very much to all our donators. Thank you to Ricky and HP, our patrons. Thank you to our sponsor, General Protocols. Check out bchbull.com. Thank you to our Flipstarter contributors. Bitcoin Jason, check out Townsville for a Bitcoin Cash holiday. Shadow of Harbinger, Molecular, Emergent Reasons, Erdogan Talk, and Majamalu Marcelo. Check out the Stark Guide, FAQ links, and so on at BitcoinCashPodcast.com. And shout outs. Do you have any shout outs this week, Jet? Shit. Nope. Uh, I, I guess not. I feel like I should. Okay. It's just not coming to me. <laughs> okay. Do I have any shout outs? Same thing. I like to, I don't like not having a. All right, yeah, I'm gonna have to go in a sec. So, 
yeah, my shout is just to anybody who filled out the survey. Thanks. I know it's annoying and, you know, you obviously have to go out of your way and spend five minutes of your time, but it's been super valuable. I think we've got a lot of good insights uh, out of it and it really helps us to improve the show and also to get some insight from the community around chips and stuff like that. I'm sure there'll be more innovation as time goes on so that the community gets better and better at consensus forming in a in a decentralized way on on upgrades or even uh, just coordination among among companies or among individuals among promotion outlets whatever it is and if you think you want to be more involved in the bch community now's a great time to start start b chat start a show or a podcast or whatever because yeah the scene's growing it's big enough now that i'm sure you know people will still listen to this show but there's very hungry listeners that want more episodes and more segments like we talked about on the show. Somebody else could do that. Those segments that we talked about, they could make a show which had practical onboarding tips as a section and merchant of the week and question of the week and whatever. Like just just get started. Uh you might not be perfect to start. It definitely won't be, but time and practice it'll get better, just like everything. So yeah, get Get cracking on that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Till next time. So I started realizing that if you can just find strength just a little bit longer, you will have a crew of people following you along the way. And that is another thing that no one can ever teach you. Because you, you're going to have to learn that on your own. You're going to have to figure out how to pull that energy out of your mind on your own. It's not... It's, there's no book you can read that all of a sudden I have it. I've got the technique now. I know how to do it. Yeah. No, it's it's a, a grind that you have to start and finish on your own.